Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Whedonverse Podcast. A retrospective, spoiler-free podcast where we discuss the movies, series, comics, and games created or inspired by Joss Whedon. With your hosts, Mr. Universe. Number five, do the dance of joy. And the clairvoyant. Well, you're right about this being a bad idea. Also brought to you by the Tangent Bound Network. This episode, we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 15, Phases, and Episode 16, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, with special guest Jordan from Jersey from HHWLOD.com. Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 15, Phases, written by Rob Deshotel and Dean Patali, directed by Bruce Seth Green, original air date, January 27th, 1998. Alright, welcome to another shiny week of the Weedonverse podcast, see what I did there? No. Uh, oh, well you will in a few years. My name is The Clairvoyant. I'm Mr. Universe, and the episode we're touching on, the first episode of many aka 2, is Phases, Season 2, Episode 15. Yeah, what is this episode about? Uh, what so could it be about? It's called Phases. Phases? It could be about Phases. Phasing through walls? Maybe. Or if we look at hints, maybe some of the other countries' names for the episode could tell us. So we've got, in France it's called Full Moon, in Finland it's called Curse of the Full Moon, and in Germany it's called The Werewolf Hunter. Germany is so straight and to the point with all their episode titles. Finland is a cool one, though. The Curse of the Full Moon. Yeah. So, this episode starts with In Every Generation. For the first time in a while, I think. Yeah, it's good. It's getting spotty. Giles narrates it as he does in Season 2, and so that's a treat. And then we cut to Oz, who has black hair. Yeah, I noticed that, too. And I don't remember if he did last episode, but... I wrote that exact same note. <laughs> it changes so frequently. Yeah, that I can't keep track of it. I, was he even in the last episode? I don't remember. I don't recall, but he's, uh... I love the dialogue. He's kind of checking out the trophy in the trophy case. Yeah. I also noticed he had earrings in this scene. I don't know if he usually has earrings. I don't know. But uh, Oz, or Willow walks up and she's like, hi, and he's like, hey, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, it's like the eyes... Follow you wherever you go. I like it, which is of course a reference to uh, to Witch. I love um, I love the reference. Even though the CGI on that episode is real bad, when they actually did end up, I mean, if you if you don't recall the episode, that was the episode where they trapped the witch, who is Amy Madison's mother, in a statue of a cheerleader. Yeah, it it was a good episode. It was one of the. It was like episode three, I think. Yes. And then, yeah, there's a random throwback to it at the start of this one. 
So I I like when they do that. It really shows that it's a universe. Yeah, it's it's like it's yeah one world, a Mister Universe. No. Yes. So <laughs> they talk about uh, the date they had last night, how it went pretty well. You know, Oz can't really remember the movie because the movies are like popcorn, and as soon as they're done, you forget about them. But he does remember liking the popcorn. Yeah, my notes I just wrote. Oz and Willow have strange, unearthly dialogue about their movie date last night. Yeah. Because just the way Willow and Oz talk is not the way any people talk. They're very awkward together, and it's fantastic. The sentences don't resemble normal sentences. They don't resemble our Earth sentences. And then, uh, so they're talking about their date. And Willow Willow gets a bit awkward. She seems a little unhappy that they're not... You're moving forward. It feels like they're just at a standstill. And, uh, oh, there's my friend. I will go to her. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, Larry, the misogynistic bullying pirate from the Halloween episode, <laughs> uh, shows up and generally makes me uncomfortable. But I love that he's back. And he kind of, he checks out Buffy and Willow as they walk away. I love that Willow's got, like, a smiley face backpack. <laughs> and he's really stereotypical high school jerk like i love to get some of that buffy willow action if you know what i mean and oz this is a great response wow you really mastered the single entendre and he knocks a girl's book out of her hands just to check her out and thank you thy master like he's just he's a bad person so good at playing a jerk yeah and then he does the standard jock thing asking how far him and or how far oz and willow have gotten he's 200 uh, percent obnoxious I hate him. He does, uh, Great segue into Willow. Nowhere. We've gone nowhere, and I'm ready, and I'm good to go. <laughs> and yeah. Buffy talking thinks, about how she wants smoochies. And Buffy thinks it's nice that he's not being an animal. And then we cut to uh, Xander and Cordelia. Well, another they, great segue, too, because... Xander's an animal. <laughs> because they're talking... They First, they talk about Willow and Oz... You know, how it's nice. And then Buff- Willow accidentally makes Buffy feel bad for not dating Angel. And then they kind of go about over that a bit. And then it goes to Xander and Cordelia, the conversation where 1-800-I'm-dating-a-skanky-ho, <laughs> where Willow gets her first meow. And she's like, happy. You know, thanks. I never, never got the meow before. And another great segue is when she's like, what does she see? What does he see in her? And cuts to... Xander and Cordy making out on makeout point that evening. Lover's Lane. Dead man's curb. I don't know. And uh, he stops and <laughs> starts talking about Willow, which frustrates Cordelia. Cause I don't all, understand why. All he ever talks about is Willow and Buffy when they're together. And she's, <laughs> do you even want to be here? Like, we're in my dad's car. It's just the two of us. It's a beautiful full moon. It doesn't get more romantic than this. So shut up. <laughs> Which is very much so my girlfriend. Gotta say, when I saw that scene, I was like, that, I want to hit close to home. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening. But outside, a werewolf is watching. And they just said it's a full moon. Oh, no. Theme song. Um, yeah. And we always see the werewolf from the back, but even even from the back, I can tell this thing's not going to look good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dude in a full body suit, clearly. And so we get to the theme song. Go ahead, sing it. <laughs> 
la, 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 la. Anyway, they're attacked by a werewolf. The werewolf, in fact. Which rips a hole right through Cordy's roof. Yeah, it's it's not like a metal roof. It's a... It's a cloth roof. It's like a sunroof that can go down. You know what I mean. A convertible? <laughs> you know, the thing with the car and the roof and the thing that goes thing. And it goes right through. And yeah, the the claw itself doesn't look bad. Like the whole effects of this. And I'm starting to get the feeling that it's one of those like movie monsters that the less you actually see it, the better the overall effect is. Yeah. And uh So you know they're they're wigged, <laughs> but they uh they shake them off like a Taylor Swift song. That's exactly what I wrote. Why? <laughs> uh, and next day, they're pretty upset about the the werewolf attack. Obviously, For some reason, obviously nobody died, but they're pretty shaken up. And Cordelia says it's awful that they got attacked because Daddy just had this car detailed. Yeah. Uh, Giles points out that, you know, quite a number of attacks have been in the last few days. Uh, only animals have been killed. Uh, Willow is the cutest reaction. <laughs> like bunnies and stuff? Don't, don't tell me. And Oz, you know, they may not look it, but bunnies can really take care of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Giles is super excited because it's werewolves. It's one of the classics. <laughs> He says, I think at one point, he says, me and my books are in for a fascinating afternoon. And <laughs> he's really pumped about this. <laughs> and meanwhile, in gym class, the gym teacher is unexpectedly Southern. <laughs> they live in California. They live in the South. Technically. But you don't really hear kind of twangs. Maybe you do. I don't. I don't live in California, but I wouldn't expect twangs to be as common, especially since nobody yet has had one, except for the the gorges. It's not Good even. This is a real twang. This one seems real to me. And Oz is super sweet to Willow. He like tucks in her tag. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then we get. They everyone has to. It's they're doing self defense, and uh, everyone's going into teams, and we see that Larry. Good old Larry. He's got some bandaging on his arm. Yeah, a dog bit him. A huge dog. And he's got a bunch of stitches. I think 37. Yeah, 30-something stitches. And I love Oz's reaction. He's like, oh, I'm there with you. You know, my cousin Jordy just got his teeth, baby teeth in and bit me on the finger. <laughs> Which is... I love that he thinks it's comparable. Yeah. I love Oz. I just love Oz. <laughs> you can't not love Oz. If you do, you're wrong, and you're watching the show incorrectly. Watch it again. And so they're going, uh, you know, splitting into teams, and <laughs> Larry notices Teresa and says, Ooh, be still my shorts. Uh, and, oh, just, just stop it, Larry. <laughs> and he's, you know, I may need to attack you. And, oh, my God. I hate him. And then Buffy ends up being in their... Uh, being in the group, so that that works well. <laughs> yeah, and Willow reminds her, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, sweet, <laughs> an uh, innocent girly girl like all of the rest of us. And Bobby's like, yeah, I know. But <laughs> did you notice that uh, Teresa, poor Teresa, that's getting hit on? My notes, and I, maybe maybe I'm just wrong. I called her uh, Young Anne Hathaway the whole episode. I did not see that. 
I'm probably wrong. Uh, but yeah, Buffy's not a meek little girly girl like the rest of them, and she ends up uh, kicking Larry's ass during self defense training. Yeah, he's like behind her, and she has to flip him over at her shoulder, and he's like, "Ooh, Summers, you're turning me on," and grabs her ass, so she just boom lays him flat. Um, and so then in the library, some research is is taking place, <laughs> and the scene is excellent. One of my favorite Giles moments: Xander makes a joke about moon pies, <laughs> and Giles just it tickles him. Giles, he he's talking about how it hasn't been psychologically or it hasn't been uh yeah it hasn't been studied, but psychologically it's been proven that the moon cycles have some effect on the human psyche and that full moons tend to bring out the worst of humans and Xander jokes oh but they also give us the delicious moon pie to which Giles <laughs> bursts Loses out laughing and says, oh yes moon pie yes very good and my one of my favorite Giles moments in the entire series he cannot contain himself normally he just glares at their jokes especially Xander's and he's not pleased this but he was just something. <laughs> so giggly. Maybe it's because he's so excited about werewolves. But it was so cute. And then he, Willow and Buffy are unamused. So he just kind of composes himself and continues uh, saying that because it's so... It's, full moons is so strong and werewolves are so something. I don't know. That, <laughs> for some reason, a werewolf is a werewolf the full moon and the day prior and after. Yeah, and, you know, do you smell a plot device? Because if a werewolf is just one day, and there's a full moon and there's a werewolf, that, if you're trying to find a werewolf, you know, the next part of the episode would have to take place a month later. Yeah, it's absolutely a plot device, but also it's it's necessary. <laughs> yeah. It's... Willow has a cute deer on her shirt in this scene. <laughs> Buffy compares werewolves to a... To men. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the comparison. And, uh, you know, there's like, hey, calm down. We're not all, you know, horny beasts and monsters and don't jump to conclusions. It could be a woman. And she's like, I just took a tiny step and their conclusions were. <laughs> I love that line because not like Xander gets immediately offended and Giles is kind of like subtly like, yeah, you're, you're just you're making jumping to conclusions. <laughs> Giles gets a little like his manhood got a little hurt. And uh, but yeah, they do raise a good point that it could be you know, a man, a woman, a child. Like we don't know what this is. It's someone that was bitten by a werewolf. So Xander jokes about silver bullets, but Jal says absolutely under no circumstances, no killing. This is a human being that's probably not even aware that they're a werewolf. A yeah, werewolf. Like, they're not in a werewolf. Yeah, they're a person most of the month, and then. Occasionally, they turn into a giant monster. I'm not getting any applause for my a werewolf joke. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so Buffy and Giles go on the patrol at Makeout Point, searching cars the next or that later that evening. And uh, Buffy spots something. Spots two kids making out, but they're totally not going out. And oh my god, if they ever found out! But um. Yeah, they're they're just looking a a boot. Don't don't don't. You can't give away that we're Canadian. It's a well kept secret. They're looking about, and 
they run into a uh, a trap. <laughs> well, Buffy does. Yeah, right into a right into a trap. And there's a dude setting traps. I don't like the looks of him. I don't like the actor, to be honest. Jack Conley. Jack Conley. Everything he's been in good things. He's been in a lot of good things, but he always plays characters that I do not like. Yeah, he's in Buffy. He returns in Angel as a different character. He's in Agent Carter. He's in Freaks and Geeks. He's in The Purge 2. Purge 2. Check it out. It's in theaters just a while ago. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you're listening to this in the future, even longer ago. And uh, so he's a, he reveals himself to be Kane. He kind of looks like Kevin Bacon's messed up little brother. I see more of like a poor man's Alexis Denisov. Mash Kevin Bacon with Alexis Denisov, sprinkle in some chemical uh, old, and you get this guy. Jack Conley. He's got a nice voice. He does. <laughs> I don't know why that comes to mind, but he just do- he does. He's got a nice voice. But he's he uh get the fruit while it's fresh. He thinks Buffy and Giles are Hugh Hefnering. Yeah, he looks that they're at makeout point for another reason. <laughs> and they get offended, but they can't really convince him otherwise. And he reveals that, hey, he just hunts uh, werewolves. <laughs> He's out for his 12th pelt, actually. He kept, pulls a tooth from every every wolfie he hunts. And he sells the pelts in Sri Lanka. He's not in it for the sport. He's in it for the money. And that's so twisted. It's so morally dark. Because they point out, you know, this is a person 28 days in the month, and he responds... Yeah, that's why I only hunt them the other three. Like, oh my god. Yeah, that's like he, he doesn't care that he's killing people. And I guarantee if like he says that's why I only hunt them the other three, it wouldn't matter to him like if it if it was a person as long as he could sell the pelt, you know. Like he the only reason he only hunts them the other three is his that's when they're useful to him. It's not a moral reason. It's so messed up. What a dickle. It's like a pickle, but a dick. Uh, <laughs> later, or they mention that they're hunting werewolves. He laughs it off. Because they can't catch a werewolf. I don't know. He's a prick. He's, yeah, well, he's pretty... He laughs at the idea of... Well, because he looks, says Giles looks like he's auditioning to be a librarian, and he is a librarian. And he laughs at Buffy because she's a girl. And he's a pretty... He's a pretty chauvinistic dude. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty rampant. But they do learn from Kane that werewolves are attracted to uh, sexual heat. Sexual so, uh, you know, So he asks, hey, do you know where, where the teenagers hang out? And they're like, nah, we have no idea. Giles knows. <laughs> Buffy would never know something like that. But, yeah, later Anne Hathaway's walking home. Uh, she bumps, or she hears a noise. She's some growling. Yeah. And she bumps into who else but a, a handsome tall man, mysterious stranger, who takes her under his wing. Yeah, he's like, oh, there's nothing there. I'll take you home. And, of course, this man happens to be Angelus. And, you know, he kind of <laughs> like, don't you go to school with Buffy? And she's like, you know Buffy? He's like, yeah, come on, I'll take you home. And don't do it, girl. You Which know better than that. He's totally, like, not make him safe he's still a stranger he just knows someone you know right like i wouldn't be like you know somebody i know yeah walk me home like it's like 
I have no authority to say this, but I'm speaking on behalf of women. Most women I know are afraid to walk alone at night. Reasonably so. A lot of bad things have and can happen to a woman walking home alone at night. If you run into a stranger that says they know somebody you know, so why don't you walk with me a bit? I think as a woman, especially, she's doing it wrong. She should still keep on walking. She should ignore him. Maybe make a little bit of idle chit-chat, but not go with him. And, you know, women of Twitter, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe maybe this is a normal thing to do, but I feel like this I is not realistic. I don't think you are wrong, and I feel that you have every authority to speak on behalf of teenage girls. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. So anyway, yeah, I, I feel like that was not a very safe decision on her behalf. But hey, she's scared at night and there's stuff behind her as far as she knows. And everything seems cool in her mind. <laughs> and so uh, Buffy and Giles rush to the bronze where... <laughs> there's no sexual energy there. <laughs> Cordelia and Willow are currently at the bronze uh, complaining to each other about their men. Yeah, and Lotion's playing. Lotion's playing a song called Blind For Now. Such an animated band, since most of the bronze bands, bronze bands just stay still. They're really uh, moving and grooving. Yeah, so first we get just yeah, Willow and Cordy talking, and it's a really great like bonding scene between them. It seemed so out of place to me, because it wasn't like it led up to it. They were just talking like they always talk like this. It seemed yeah. very friendly and very... Like, I liked it, but they don't really have friendly chats. No, feels like they're both just spurned lovers, and so they met up and decided to to each other. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they lament about guys, like, who they think they are, and boom, werewolf attack. Now, the face is not so bad. We get our first clear shot, and it's not the worst thing ever. It's got some, uh, it's got, like, animatronics or puppetry, I can't tell. But it's still, I don't know, it's too fluffy to me. Yeah, it's... Something about it looks off. It's not horrible. horrible I've seen worse werewolves. Yeah, I've seen worse. But, but it's something about cool. it feels wrong and fluffy. I think it's too fluffy. But uh, Buffy and Giles show up just in time. And from outside, you can hear that Lotion is still playing from outside. Like, yeah. how raw are they? <laughs> that there's a werewolf attack. Everyone's screaming, running out of the bronze, and the band just... No, 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 no. Like, just keep going. <laughs> The show must go on. And Buffy goes inside. The place is trashed. There's lotion stickers and posters everywhere. Not lotion everywhere, but stickers and posters. The band's gone now. <laughs> they must have called it quits from some point from her walking to the doors. And she goes uh, hunting. A little bit. Baby Bunting goes hunting. No. I don't know the... I don't know. The, I don't know. <laughs> and then it he pops up, is rustling behind some stuff, pops up, and she instantly chains him. Yeah, but... and by chains him, I mean hits him with a chain. <laughs> yes, she does do this. And like, I don't know, maybe it wraps around his neck. To me, it looks like he's just holding it to himself. I think it's supposed to look like it wrapped around his neck, but you're in a werewolf costume. You're trying to make this look realistic. You got you got to give the actor in the costume some leeway. <laughs> yeah, it looked the whole kind of thing looked kind of silly. Um, 
and it escapes. Buffy fails, and Kane shows up too late. <laughs> and he's talking about how you failed, man. You showed up late. You failed <laughs> just as bad. He says, "Yeah, it'll be Buffy's fault if the werewolf kills anybody." Oh yeah, because you did your job too. Yeah, you're really a pro at this. And then uh, we get a bit of uh, Twilight action in the alley. Yeah. Um, so the werewolf comes across Anne Hathaway on the ground. Or Bella. And Edward's there. And they kind of... Edward and Jacob have a little bit of a stare down. You know, we're growling back and forth as men do. And Human Death Count won, by the way. Poor Bella. Couldn't handle it. And Angelus backs off, and we don't see really what Jacob does with Bella. Angelus, Jacob, and Bella. (laughs) I slipped up, okay? (laughs) Later that night, Buffy goes to Giles' car where he parked. It's empty, so she starts freaking. And Giles, Giles, and he just cusses it. Hey, what? (laughs) He was sleeping. This is a cute Giles episode. It's a cutie Giles. Is that a word? Yeah. Yes, it is. In fact, it's trademarked. Great. Uh, Outside, next day, beautiful forest, uh, great scenery, establishing shot, and a little little Oz wakes up a little bit naked. Yeah, we get a pretty awful motion tween of the werewolf turning into Oz. (laughs) It's a shape tween. Topless Seth Green. Yeah, he's pretty naked, and he's actually in pretty good shape. It's not that he is fit. Like, it's not like he clearly works out lots. He keeps himself in pretty good shape. He doesn't... He's not ripped. But, you know, I'd... I'd Seth Green. You'd Seth Green. And he wakes up and his reaction is... Huh. <laughs> yeah. And so he's uh, he's confused. Um, he calls his Aunt Maureen. Yeah, this is a great scene. We see Oz's house for the first time. And he calls that Marine. He's kind of like, hey, I want to ask you, is Jordy a werewolf? <laughs> huh. How long has that been going on? Uh-huh. <laughs> now, now that we know that Oz is the werewolf, it's a good time to point out all the hints to the contrary. Yeah. Like, it felt like that him talking about getting bit on the finger was a throwaway joke. But in fact, he got bit on the finger by a one-year-old werewolf. Yeah, and meanwhile, Larry, you know, got mauled by a dog on the arm. He is an animal. Drawn to sexual attention. He's an animal. You know, he's... It really builds up. He even says to Teresa... I might attack you. Yeah, we're going to have to attack you. And then the werewolf, or as far as we know, or as far as, rather, the, the gang knows, a werewolf attacked Teresa. And even they mentioned at the start of the episode that Oz is not an animal. And it's so just a lot of hints that it's not Oz, that it is Larry. And I feel like it doesn't pay off quite right. I feel like they're too subtle and you've, the reveal is made too early that it's not like a, ah! it's kind of like a, oh. I feel like the first time I watched it, I thought it was Larry. I didn't like, catch it the first time I watched it because the reveal was too early. I thought they were going to build it up more. I think, yeah, the first time I I was picking up on these hints, I'm like, oh, it's Larry. It's obviously Larry, and then it wasn't. Well, not everybody's a clairvoyant. <laughs> but uh, at school, Oz is not so chill. He's uh, kind of lost in his thoughts. 
Yeah, and they find out that, you know, Teresa's dead, so... So, yeah, Buffy's a little upset in the library. I should have killed him. Oz comes in, you know, kill who? <laughs> and he's super worried that somebody got hurt. Yeah, he asked if anyone was bitten or scratched, and they said, you know, well, yeah, the werewolf killed Teresa. Willow in the scene has a sweater with overalls over top. A striped sweater, and, and I love stripes. Stripes is a me thing. And it's got bright yellow overalls over top, which uh, gave me mixed feelings. Uh, but yeah, did get it, Teresa. But you know, if you're paying attention, gentle listeners, it was it was Edward that got Teresa. Uh, <laughs> I lost it again. <laughs> and uh, Xander uh, has some experience in this situation. And so he starts. Uh, he starts remembering back to when he was a hyena, which is a great throwback to a not great episode. He's a uh, he's kind of like I'm a monster creature of the night. I'm sniffing. I'm snarling. You know, it. I'm looking for my next meal. It's obvious who I am. I'm. I'm right in front of us as he's looking at Oz. It's obvious. I'm Larry. <laughs> I like how he is not supposed to remember that he was a hyena, and he's like. I told you all that I didn't remember anything. <laughs> yeah, I like how he's like, I like, I'm like oh, up. I remember everything but when I was a hyena. And Buffy's like, you told me you didn't remember any of that. And he's like, I told you I didn't remember any of that. And he just kind of laughs and then continues on. Which is good that it's just kind of, it's out in the open, no secrets, but it's not made a big deal. Uh, but yeah, they mentioned like dog bite, his aggression, his back hair, that he tortures Teresa. You know, all the hints that that the viewer would pick up on, on why it'd be Larry, except now that we know it's no. Well, but it can't be Oz, because Willow established she couldn't love someone with excessive back hair. So Xander decides to go check on Larry. Buffy and Giles are going to go do their thing, and uh, Willow's going to do research. She wants to work with Oz, but he can't. He's busy. Yeah, he's pretty shifty. He's like, oh, I'm busy tonight, and he leaves. And Willow's a bit hurt. She thinks he's been distant lately. Yeah, she feels like he's been just putting her off, which, I mean, I can see where where she's getting that. <laughs> and so there's an excellent, excellent Buffy the Vampire Slayer scene. It's just such a... I need to call out that this is a scene from Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it is iconic, it is memorable, it is beautiful. And it has been done again in other shows. So this kind of set the bar because other shows have copied this. I don't want to point out any you know glee names but <laughs> but xander confronts larry alone in the locker room and he's like hey i know what you're doing at night and he's like well, you know why so jumpy larry is there something you're hiding he's like i can hide my fist in your face he's like hey no i know your secret i know what you're doing at night hurting me is not going to make it go away people will still find out and larry gets kind of scared so he, does, what do you want, hush money? he does have a secret which is you know is there a second werewolf yeah. So he's like, what do you want, hush money? He's like, no, I want to help. I've been there. And You think uh, you have a cure for this? <laughs> if this gets out, it's over for me. They'll run me out of this town. Yeah, forget about football. How are people going to look at me when they know that I'm gay? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, you can't, like, and just the fact that Xander's like, I've been there, I know what you're going through, and now he's confiding to him, and he can't unsay that. And he can't really like say I'm I'm you know I was kid like I was kidding or I was whatever. talking about something else <laughs> because then you just embarrass the poor guy and props to Larry Bagby the third 
uh, who plays Larry, because you know for such a minor character that gets a little bit of lines here and there, he really does well in this scene. I thought like um, it's not like emotional, but so like likable and so just like you know this guy's super happy that he came out. He's super just. It, I just noted that it was a really good job that he did. Yeah, and he just kind of gets like I said it. I'm gay. I am gay. I heard you the first time. <laughs> it doesn't, it you know, feels good to get it out there. And I think it's because you brought this out of me. And then he's like, it would have slipped out anyway. Uh, and he's, he's like, like no. no. But knowing you went through the same thing makes it easier for me to admit. I beat you up because I recognized something in you that I didn't want to believe about myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just going farther and farther past the point of return. Then is trying to backpedal. He's like, now when I said the same thing, and he's like, you know, I am not. He's like, shh, your secret's safe with me. I wouldn't do that to you. And Xander's just like, what the hell just happened? What a touching and hilarious scene. And, <laughs> and like, the one thing that bugs me about the scene a little bit, and it has since the first time, is that Xander's uncomfortable that Larry's gay, it appears. But I, I, one could argue that he's uncomfortable with people thinking he's gay. But either way, you know, this is the 90s. Things were very different. Even Larry coming out as gay, even though it was as a joke, it was still kind of, you know, not so big in TV. So I think it was a great moment. A great moment all around. I didn't like that Xander was uncomfortable with it, but I have to admit it's a different time and it was just a joke. It's a joke part of the episode. And Xander's not exactly Mr. Progressive. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it does it's, it definitely feel does not feel out of character for Xander. Yeah, no. So back in the library, Buffy is su- suggests to Willow that she's gonna have to make the first move if she wants to speed things up with Oz. You know, you can't just sit around and wait. And she's like, "Well, won't they think I'm a slut?" And so I think your reputation will remain intact. <laughs> so. <laughs> Xander comes out, and uh, Buffy. You know Xander that? comes out. <laughs> Xander walks up. Uh, Buffy asks, "You know how to go with Larry?" And he's like, "What? He's not the werewolf. You know wh- why are you? Uh, why are you getting up with <laughs> me?" Like, yeah, how to go with Larry? What's that supposed to mean? Well, it's supposed to mean how to go with Larry. He's not a werewolf. Can't we leave it at that? Let's do constantly push and push. And she's like, "Okay," because he's not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're back to square one. They don't have any clues, but then they realize that. Teresa wasn't there was no reports on how Teresa died might not have been a werewolf attack yeah and so of course they go and they take a look and what do you know two two little bite marks I love how in episodes like this they get so caught up in the monster of the week that they forget that this is Buffy the vampire slayer that every day she's killing multiple vampires and then something else comes up and they don't even consider the fact that it could be vampires. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they go to the funeral home, and whoever cleaned the body did an awful job, by the way. Maybe they give up cleaning up vampire bites in Sunnydale. <laughs> because they're like, it's not going to matter, they're coming back. But it's a vampire, as they suspected. And uh, as they discuss what to do, how to proceed, she gets up. Yeah, they're like, oh, and Teresa's a vampire. And uh, so she uh, attacks Buffy and passes along her greetings from Angelus. 
Yeah, which, you know, did he tell her to say that before he sired her? Like, did she, the bites implant these messages in her brain? I think he told her to say that. And she's like, I'm not going to say that. But then when she's evil, she's like, oh, this is going to hurt her. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, Zan- she's got off here in the ground. Xander comes up behind her with sort of an easel and stakes her, which is a vamp death count of one. And Buffy's pretty shaken about it. And I mentioned in the first episode <laughs> that Jesse was the only character to die twice. How many times have I been proven wrong? <laughs> yeah, uh, quite a bit. A uh, lot of people died twice in the episode, so that's my bad. And then, yeah, Buffy and Xander... Or Buffy's a little shaken, so Xander's comforting her. And after that, we got Kane preparing in his car. You know, Casting just, some silver bullets. Yeah, just getting some bullets ready. So that's, this guy means war. What if he poured some of that molten silver on himself? Yikes. It looks It's like super hot. And it's like a really tiny hole that he has to get it in. It's like really careful. Yeah, he really does. Meanwhile, Oz is getting ready to shackle himself up for the night. He just ordered some, it appears. Yeah, I, I don't, or it looks like he like, pulled him out of the basement or something. But uh, there's a knock on the door at the worst time. He he hesitates. You know, should I even answer it? But he decides to, and it's Willow. She's ready to talk. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to talk now. I'm supposed to take initiative, and now I am, and I'm kind of... <laughs> she's like, I wrote something down, and it didn't look very good, and so now I'm here, and I'm going to talk, and I'm starting to think that what I wrote down is looking pretty good about now. <laughs> yeah, and Oz just wants to talk about it tomorrow, and she's like, we're going to talk about it now. You didn't stay in research with me. You're just sitting home alone, and you know I'm going through some changes, Willow. You don't think I am, too? He's like, not like this, and oh, you're special with chains and stuff and she kind of realizes you know what's going on here yeah there's a reason that oz blew her off to stay at home alone <laughs> and uh he starts getting uh menstrual cramps slayer slayer uh slayer cramps vamp and, cramps you know willow please get out of here and he kind of falls behind the couch he's he's he looks back like just run he's half wolf he's transforming big wolf on campus some kind of cool in-between makeup. Yeah, and she's kind of, you know, Oz, and he's got creepy E.T. fingers. <laughs> and he's just creepy, and she peeks over the couch, and boom, full-on werewolf pops up, chases she's... her away. I always thought that that looked kind of stupid, just the werewolf coming up from behind the couch. To me, something about it always looked dumb. Maybe just the idea of it, just a werewolf just, like, popping up from behind a couch, like it's a surprise party. <laughs> surprise! Uh, he chases Willow, and uh, Kane catches wind and chases him. Yeah, he's like kind of, where are you? And then he hears the cry, and he's like, there you are. So there's some chasing of chasing going on here. Yeah, and uh, so then the world's distracted by a, a trap, Kane said, like a scent, some sort of yeah scent trap. And Giles and Buffy are like, oh, we got to find the werewolf. Who could it possibly be? And they're just, it's Oz, it's Oz, it's Oz. <laughs> and Willow runs in. It's Oz. Like, oh. And you can't, she's kind of upset because Giles has got a gun. You know, you can't kill Oz. It's not his fault. He didn't mean to. And I love how, though she's all scared and freaked out by all this, that's her thought. Like, it's not like he tried to kill me. We got to get him. She still thinks, like, no, it's Oz in there. Which, you know, a lot of people under this pressure wouldn't think that. Wouldn't even pop into their mind. So, but then he reveals, hey, it's a Trank gun. It has enough to 
take out a small elephant. It should be enough for a big werewolf. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and they kind of get into a scuffly in the oak groves. You know, uh, he's going... Kane's going to take out Oz. Yeah. He needs, needs that pelt money. Sweet, sweet pelt money. And... Kind of everyone shows up at once. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a big meeting in the middle of the grove. Yeah, the forest clearing. And uh, so it's a big, there's a big skiffuffle. And uh, Willow actually is the one who ends up shooting Oz with the tranquilizer dart. And she says, I shot Oz. And <laughs> yeah. And she, I don't know. Like She sounds, I don't know. It's like she can't decide whether she's scared, relieved, impressed with herself. Like, it's just like a blank, I shot Oz. And like, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like a declaring. <laughs> but they save the day. And uh, then Buffy is sick of being made fun of by its sexist old cane and just bends his gun like like it's well not like it's nothing because she doesn't like bend it into a pretzel like she's Magneto but she like uh see he's got a bit of a U-shaped gun now <laughs> it's it's the suicide shotgun yeah and um she kind of throws at him and she's like, hey, get get out of my sunny deal. So later at school, you know, one of Larry's jerk friends knocks a girl's books out of her hand. And Larry walks by and picks it up. And uh, then goes and thanks Xander. You know, he's super nice to him. Like, hey, thanks, man, about everything. You know, and Xander's like, hey, we don't have to talk about it. He's like, no, I know. I just wanted to thank you. And Bobby's like, thank you for what? He's like, why must you push and push? Can't two guys meet in the locker room and absolutely nothing happen? <laughs> Yeah, Xander's like, hey, isn't this something we're not supposed to be talking about ever? And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, I mean, I, I do find defensive Xander really funny. Yeah, and it's, he's not suspicious until he reacts that way. It's like, uh, it's like that one episode where Willow is trying to act unsuspicious and they think she's on coffee. Yeah. Because, but Xander doesn't have much of an excuse. Yeah, like, Xander and Willow are just, they're not, they're not good secret keepers. <laughs> Meanwhile, Willow and Oz make up. They have a little chatty about it. Yeah, and he says, well, <laughs> now this is some of the most Joss Whedon-ass dialogue. And it's not Joss. He did not write this episode. This is Rob Desotel and Dean Batali, who, especially in this episode, do such a good job capturing the feel of his writing and this episode's had some of the greatest dialogue this season so far like just super funny super referential just great giles yeah and uh but they're talking and she's saying you know well i think i might stay out of your way for a while she's like well i kind of like you in my way and well if you'd still i'm saying i'd still i'd very still and like I'd still if you'd still and it says what the hell are you ever saying you two a couple days of the month I'm no fun to be around either and uh they head their separate ways and uh then Willow just comes back and kisses him I loved it I just swooned I was like yes <laughs> you swooned I swooned swooned like I meant it like I just loved it I loved them so much so many Willow Oz feels and yeah, she she walks off screen and he's just kind of like 
sitting there, sort of standing there, and she immediately walks past and just plants one on him. Yeah, and, and then he just kind of looks after her, and he's like, a werewolf in love. And I just, ah, he's in love. He's in love, clairvoyant. <laughs> yes. I know. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I really like, uh, I mean, the introduction of Oz as a character and just how absolutely natural it felt. Normally, in a show like Bobby the Vampire Slayer, because he, him and Jenny, I'd say, are the first kind of new main characters. Right. Aside from the core group and you know, Angel and all them. And uh, it's it's always a credit to the writers how, I mean, like, Jenny, I don't think anyone really liked her, her first appearance. No, nobody. Like, I, I don't remember what I said, but she, I do remember that she's kind of a bit Bitcoin. That appearance only. But yeah, like, and so you gotta give credit to the writer that he can just ease a character in, like, like Oz, and to the point where, like, Jenny, some people are divided on. Everyone's divided on Jenny. And uh, Oz is universally loved. And uh, this episode, we've got one human death and one vampire death. Now, do you think that Oz was intended to be a werewolf from the beginning, or they kind of decided at this point that it'd be cool if he was something more? I don't know. I don't really feel like he was intended to always be a werewolf, but it is cool that the Scooby gang is now, like, you know, almost like one more superhero, you know? Well, because <laughs> like, now, now they have Scooby-Doo. Yeah, exactly. The Scooby gang has their Scooby-Doo. I have a Buffy shirt that actually is, like, the Scooby-Doo gang and, you know, Xander's, Xander Shaggy, Giles's Fred... Willow is Velma, Buffy is Daphne, and then Oz is actually Scooby-Doo. I have a shirt that has that on it. It's fantastic. So, Clairvoyant, episode's over. It's time. It's time. What would you rate this episode out of five stakes? Uh, this is a, a strong episode. It's like one of those uh, an episode that anyone can tune into and enjoy. Phases and the next episode we'll review are just the nice, lighthearted fun that don't take away from the rest of the show. It's not like they're taking a break just to have some fun. You know, it does contribute to the overall plot of things. This is obviously a huge character moment for Oz. Uh, but, you know, it's it's nice that they don't have to always take themselves so seriously, especially when that's been happening quite often this season now. So the fact that they can just throw an episode like this in there, I think is really great. It's a lot of fun. Like we're slowly building a Scooby gang full of superheroes now. Well, we got a Slayer, a Watcher, and a and a werewolf added in the mix. And I mean, we lost a vampire, but <laughs> we replaced him with a werewolf. So I I do like the that aspect of it as well. So it, it's a fun episode. Uh, Oz and Willow are really cute, and I would say I'd say three point five is strong. It's a strong one. Uh, I think it has some of the greatest writing uh for comedy this season it was a really fun episode uh i didn't like kane so much i don't think he was really necessary because he didn't provide a lot of conflict or or memorable to be honest but i loved the larry moments i loved oz and willow a lot you know i loved a whole lot about this episode it's a really fun episode references to the pack references to which really going back to season one even grabbing larry from halloween so i gave it four out of five stakes four to five for me Whedonverse podcast rating, 3.75 out of 5 stakes. 
If you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at Whedoncast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, or review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The Whedonverse Podcast is brought to you by the HHW LOD Network. You can find them at hhwlod.com, on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhwlod. The Tangent Bound Network can be found at tangentboundnetwork.com, on Twitter at tangentboundpc, and on Facebook at tangentboundnetwork. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 16, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Written by Marty Noxon. Directed by James A. Contner. Original air date, February 10th, 1998. All right, part two, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. It's a mouthful. We're back, and we're here with a special guest now. We lied to you last week. Because if you listened at the end of every episode, little sneak preview of who's coming up next week. What guest? We said we had Lie Smith from Geek and Podcast. That was a lie befitting Elias Smith. He uh, couldn't make it. So instead, we have a very special guest, Jordan from Jersey, from Jersey Shore. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you guys for having me on. No, thank you for coming on. So last second also. Um, Jordan from Jersey, from Jersey Shore, which is also an HHWLOD podcast. Uh, yes, indeed. I'm on a bunch of shows there, but yeah, that's the, that's kind of my show. It's me and my friends and family just uh, hanging out and chatting. We all happen to be from New Jersey, so that's the the title. There's no accents, no spray tans, none of that kind of stuff. It's just uh, just us. Do you have laundry? Do I have laundry? Um, I mean, I do my own laundry. I'm very uh, <laughs> very proactive that way, but uh, no Same t-shirt gym. time, none of that kind of stuff. We're actually from New Jersey, unlike the people in that show. What about and June? Jim. The month? No, like the, the workout, like gym. Oh, I think we have them. I've never actually been to one before. <laughs> okay, so you're just you're just L out of the GTL. You're just the L. Sure. Playing Jersey Shore. It's not like the show Jersey Shore. It's like Jersey question mark Shore. Like yes, I'll do it. It's great. Exactly. Just, just just laugh. Would Would you like to listen to a show with Jordan from Jersey? Sure. That's basically the idea. There <laughs> yeah, we, we talk go. about we talk about nerd stuff and and all that kind of stuff. Nerd stuff, tech. Uh, you know, medicine occasionally because we have a friend who's in medical school, all that kind of fun stuff. For sure. So the episode we're doing this week, as I mentioned, Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered, not called that everywhere, though. In Finland, it's called Just Bewitched. They cut out the rest. It was a mouthful. In French, it's called A Puzzling Charm. And in uh, Germany, and French isn't the country, by the way. In Germany, it's called The Love Spell. Die Leibersauer. Yeah. I like I like the first one, Bewitched. Just because it's like noidetut or something like that. It's, I don't I don't speak Finnish, but it's fun to say. And yeah, it, it looks it's more like title. none of it. Like, like it's a province in, or not a province, but like a city inside of none of it. So um, the title of this is actually taken from a song. Sinatra. By yeah, I think it was Sinatra. Yeah, and then covered by like a million different people. But was, I think the song was just called Bewitched. So the the Finnish folk have it right. But it's in the the lyrics, and lyrics actually make a lot of sense to this episode. Go look them up. Frank Sinatra. But this episode we start off with uh, Xander talking to Buffy in a graveyard about Valentine's Day gifts. And 
Buffy's not happy about the whole Cordy situation. Not, you know, venomous about it. But she's not, she's, you know, she'd prefer it not to exist. It's a, at least at this point, surviving relationship, whereas she does not have one. So, jealous. <laughs> exactly. That could be it. And also, I think, it's the just the fact that it's Xander and Cordelia as well. Yeah. And Xander mentions, well, you know, the only other person I'm interested in is not available. Which, if you pick up... <laughs> but, but she is, though. Well... <laughs> not emotionally. <laughs> That's fair. You see, Jordan gets it. He gets women. <laughs> no, I, I think anyone who knows me could tell you that is that is not true. It's a Jersey thing. They're suave over there. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> Maybe up north, not down here in farm country. <laughs> but uh, he's stressing over the Valentine's Day gift. He's... You're not sure if she's going to like it. You know, the typical boy giving a girl a gift thing. You don't know if she's going to like it. You don't know, especially if well, it's Cordelia. Yeah, and the concern here is it's a heart-shaped locket, and Buffy's not entirely positive she knows what a heart is. So, <laughs> and, You know, I wish dating was like slaying. Simple, direct, just stick to the heart, and then, of course. No muss, no fuss. Cue vampire crawling out of a grave. An Asian vampire, which is somewhat uh, uncommon on this show. Yeah. And he comes out in a suit, which is also uncommon, but it makes a lot of sense for burial purposes. Uh, True, yeah, good point. So I don't know why there isn't more suited vampires. Every vampire should be well-dressed. I think they have no excuse not to be. They have at least one suit. (laughs) I'd say Sunnydale is a pretty chill place, and they're so used to death that they don't even bother dressing up the dead anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just get him in the ground. He'll be back. <laughs> After some fighting, Buffy does dust the vamp. Vamp dust one. I don't know if you guys noticed the. Uh, there's a grave here. That I says did notice Albert, like Albert with the P. Uh, and this is a recurring grave. It holds a place in my heart because I'm a nerd. It's not special. It just recurs, and it's actually named after the producer. I believe his name is David Albert. So a little bit of trivia there. That is Rupert. Maybe it's Richard. Is something it's, Albert? There's an Albert that worked on this show. There's a uh, one one joke we kind of skipped over. Not even really a joke, but uh, I believe it's uh, Xander mentions that there's probably someone perfect for him in an alternate or parallel universe. Or maybe Buffy says it. Uh, not exactly relevant yet, but you know, for watchers of the show, maybe we'll see something like that eventually, or maybe not. It's a possibility, maybe. As the like um. <laughs> This episode was not did not air on Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's a Valentine's Day episode. It aired near Valentine's Day. But also what's interesting is the majority of this episode takes place on a school day. And I'm pretty sure at the time it would have been like a weekend. Yeah. If you look at like... In 1998, Valentine's Day was on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so, interesting. It takes place in an alternate 1998. <laughs> But uh, after Buffy dusts her vampire, you know, I'm sorry to say Zend, but slang's a tad more perilous than dating. <laughs> a great stinger. You're obviously not dating Cordelia. Boom, theme song. Mic drop. So one thing I, I noticed about the theme song, just watching it this time, um, well, I was kind of reading up about it, and there is, there's a German band. Uh, it's, they have a long name, but they usually go by their initials D-O-F. Uh, they actually accused 
um, Nerf mm-hmm. Herder stealing the Nerf, stealing the the Buffy theme song. And it's they had a song called Kodo. It was, it's a super cheesy '80s song. You got to look it up because it's like wow, like people make fun of songs like this. I, you never would assume they actually existed because it's as <laughs> '80s as it gets. But it does actually have like the Buffy tune in it. But of course, Nerf Herder denies ever having heard it, and one is inclined to believe them. There's yeah, only so I, many chords out there. Yeah, I did also notice, yeah, speaking of only so many chords, it sounds very similar, just when I was listening to it and zoning out, to uh, an Offspring song. I think The Kids Aren't Alright by The Offspring. And that sounds very similar. In yeah, I think you just, uh, you gave a lot of scholarly thought to the theme song. No, I was just zoning out while listening to it, and two thoughts popped in my head. <laughs> I don't know, when I zone out, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that another excuse? To sing song? Yeah. So after the theme, Cordy's going to walk into school. She's got kind of like a business walk, is how I would describe it. There's kind of, it's when a woman. I don't know if this makes any sense to anybody but me. But she's wearing like a long skirt and she's got heels and is focusing on her legs as she walks briskly, and that just gives me like <laughs> business lady imagery. I don't know what you're talking about. Jordan, back me up. Like, I could see her with a briefcase, maybe a blazer. Anybody? Maybe. <laughs> it's yeah, a business I'm... walk. Watch it and just think the words business walk. And now all our damn followers <laughs> are going to be tweeting at me, making fun of me for saying business walk. Yeah, you know you don't too. have to keep repeating the phrase, because this is about eight <laughs> times now. <laughs> damn. If... If they don't let it go, that's that's on you. <laughs> oh. Now you made a big deal about it. Now they're never gonna let it go. I'm sorry. So she goes to her group of friends. They're all chatting, chatting with each other, and they just turn and give her all that sass, man. You know, kind of like, oh, why don't you go hang out with your geek boyfriend? And Harmony's back, so hooray! But <laughs> yeah, where's she been? I've I've missed her. <laughs> She's been storing up the snark. And uh, Cordelia mentions also in the scene that she's wearing a red and black ensemble to the dance, Valentine's Day dance, so uh, to, to coordinate their outfits accordingly. Coordinate accordingly, wow. And wow, it's hard to be popular. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> but in class later, and I noticed here on the board, the author's name is of the book... I'm assuming it's of the book that they're discussing, but it's spelled incorrectly on the board. It's Samuel Clemens. Mark Twain. Right. And it's spelled with two M's on the blackboard behind them. Miss Beekman uh, shouldn't be teaching English. Now see, the, the problem here is you're forgetting about the alternate universe. And as we learned in Fringe, many places in alternate universes are almost identical, except they spell things with an extra letter, like Manhattan, which has either one more or one less H. You know, that that's all it is. <laughs> so Buffy takes place in a Fringe universe, is what you're saying. This episode, just this episode. <laughs> well, you could kind of write it off that, like, the show has no mistakes whatsoever because it's an alternate universe. That dusting effect... That is as real as it looks in this universe. I thought it was ash. It's dust. <laughs> I, this, is a, this is a point of contention for me. Uh, I'm aware. <laughs> That's why I poked the bear, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
And class, Amy's asking about the dance. And also, super excited to see Amy back. Yes, my notes say, yay, Amy's back. <laughs> like, yeah, she's got better hair. <laughs> and it wasn't that it was bad. It was just a breath of fresh air seeing someone that you know thought was a one-shot character that you know popped up quite Especially frequently. Especially considering she was the, like, easily, her and her mom were the best actors of the throwaway episodes of season one. Yeah. And it was really nice to see, like, hey, I know your face. Like, it wasn't, like, random character they wrote for this episode. They went back and got an actress that they, you know, had worked with before. That was kind of cool. I wonder if she was written in the script that way. And if so, thanks, Marty. Or <laughs> or if they... I thought we were done with that. <laughs> she wrote this episode. It's very good. But I wonder if she was written in the script as Amy or if it was uh, somebody else... And then they could get Amy, so they quickly tweaked it. Well, this script is actually, like, like super short notice. So I don't know if there's a lot of room for tweaking. I think, like, hey, can they'd probably, like, they called up, like, Lizzie Allen. Like, hey, are you free? It's like, yeah, okay, we're writing a script about you. Because <laughs> uh, Passion was supposed to be here the next step, the following episode. Right. And then they had to shift things around because Sarah Jill Geller wasn't free. And uh, spoilers, they needed they needed a way they could get her off screen for, for a few days of shooting. Yeah, well, she... and to be fair for this episode, like, I mean, it's great to see Amy again. I, I was really happy to see her. It's always nice for the world building and all that kind of stuff and having recurring secondary and tertiary characters. But it didn't have to be her, which is nice. Like, it could have been anyone else. There's not really a lot of callbacks to the previous episode. A couple lines here and there that kind of cut. Yeah. Honestly, I, I think it's the previous episode phases where there's, um, Oz is looking at the, the trophy case uh, <laughs> yeah. where her mom's oh, spirit yeah, yeah. or whatever is trapped. Like, that's a bigger connection than this is. But it, it's nice that they were able to bring her back, even though the episode would have worked just fine if it had been somebody else. Although then, how many witches go to their high school exactly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also uh, with phases, the whole hyena thing, it's interesting that they're starting to do a lot of callbacks to season one. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I specifically avoided asking to be on the show until after season one was done, because as you guys <laughs> know very well, it's pretty bad in most places. But it's that is one of the things Whedon does so well is bringing back those things, even if they're not always good things, like a callback to the pack or something. Yeah, the pack was horrible, but if we can call back to it and make you know make a joke at its expense and at least keep this world consistent and build on it, that's where his shows really start to take off, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And But it's a lot of talking just to say, hey, yay, Amy's back. But Amy's <laughs> back. We're very excited. Uh, and yeah, she's asking about Willow. In the Valentine's Dance and Rose Bobby, go ahead. You know you want to say it. My boyfriend's in the band. <laughs> She's so adorable when she says that. It is so adorable. Yeah. I'm so waiting to explode that out there. Just, oh, so happy to say that. But uh, Buffy's not so chipper because, uh, to put it mildly, as Amy says, a bad breakup. <laughs> Which, get over it, Buffy. Yeah, everybody's been there. <laughs> it's not like it's the end of the world yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, everybody's had an evil boyfriend who's turned into a vampire, and uh, we've all been there, is what I'm trying to say. And we lived temporarily. You're still going. After class, Miss <laughs> Beekman is collecting the papers. Xander is pretty pumped about his. He thinks it's 
going to get him out of Fsville. He's going to D-City. That's paraphrasing. And everybody's kind of handing in their papers, and Amy stops and just glares Miss Beekman down. Thank you, Amy. Grabs an invisible paper and uh, goes on her way. She just, like, stares through her. <laughs> and doesn't seem to care that other people can see her doing this. Like, why didn't she not wait to the end of the line and then pull this stunt? I think I can kind of see where she's coming. Like, obviously, she doesn't want people to see her doing this. But if it's just Xander behind me, I'm not too worried. You know, I would be more worried if it was somebody else. <laughs> like, he's one of the people who trapped your evil witch mom in a, in a trophy. I mean... <laughs> True. Yes, he's familiar with the world, but he's not exactly a confidant, you know. So in the hallway, Buffy and Willow are oblivious. They're continuing on talking about whatever they're talking about. And Xander, like, hey, did anybody see that? <laughs> yeah, but of course, he was the only one in line. Yeah. And the scene's kind of tense, a little, because Giles comes to talk to Buffy, and... Jenny comes out of her class. Don't even start. <laughs> and she's like, hey, Rupert. And he's like, Miss Calendar. Ooh, that's just cold. And not necessary. Yeah, Giles gets to be kind of grumpy for most of this episode, which in general yeah. is a pretty fun episode, but he is, he is dour. Yeah. He's the, the grump. Cold as ice. He should have got over this Jenny biz. Because when it was reciprocated, she was just like, I need some space. But she wasn't like, Mr. Giles. Like, But they're different people. You gotta respect that they're different people that handle things differently. He's stuffy and brilliant. Well, Giles handles things like a dick. <laughs> but, See, I, like, uh, I, I feel, you know, <laughs> Jenny is not my favorite character, and I don't particularly love or care about her that much. But, it's just everyone else is attacking her. I feel the need to protect her. Like I am Jenny's sole white knight because everyone else is so so out to get her. <laughs> so how do you feel about her, Jordan? Uh, I mean, I think like most everyone else, I am not a fan of the actress herself, her views. <laughs> um, that said, I actually like the character quite a bit, particularly in this episode where they get to have a lot of fun with her uh, in a few quick scenes. But... You know, I think the character was good for the show. I think the character brought a lot of cool things to the show. Um, it's just, you know, a shame that the actress is uh, the the way she is. I think we've we've probably I think we touched on the actress, Not the first appearance, but much. but then probably everyone's wondering, you know, why do they keep talking about the actress? She, um, the, as as the story goes, she had a run in with a Christian biker gang, and then as became. You yeah, as as, most, as we all have. But th with her, it changed her. And she became very, very religious. But the kind of religious that condemns all, you know, portrayals of witchcraft. You know, the kind of person that's burning Harry Potter books. And yes. so as a result, she's become... I don't like very, this fiction. Yeah. As a result, she's become very, very outspoken against Buffy the Vampire Slayer in particular. Which happens to be a show that we like. So she happens to be someone that we don't really like. And but stay tuned for our interview with her next week. No, <laughs> no uh, you know, like I have no problem with religion. I have no problem with religious people. But Robia Lamore is past that. She's in fanaticism. <laughs> She's really uh, 
the she's kind of based her religion on hate, and that's what I don't like. Yeah, I think we can all get behind that. So, but yeah, I Jenny's okay. She's there. She's Jenny. But I thought it was kind of sad seeing her and her and Giles interact, and she asked if he has a minute, and not right now. I have him out of discuss with Buffy, but he hesitated. He was going to, and he he did the Giles thing. And he's being perfectly honest. He does. He did come here specifically because he had something he had to talk about with Buffy, but and like he could have said that the exact same thing, and just come off like ten times warmer than he did. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's true. But nobody's perfect, Clairvoyant. I am. What about Willow? <laughs> we got Me two separate answers right there. Two correct answers. <laughs> this isn't a... This isn't one of those, like, multiple choice unless there's a choose A and B. <laughs> <laughs> but it is kind of sad. There's sad music, sad Willow face in the background behind them. And uh, Jenny kind of, she doesn't storm off, I would say. She saunters off. She maybe saunters? Slinks off. Sauces off. Sad Hulk's off? Yeah, there we go. (laughs) She Eric Banner's away. He's playing like ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Do do you mean Bruce Banner? (laughs) No, no Eric Banner. (laughs) Specifically one of the four actors who has played Bruce Banner. The best one. (laughs) Okay. And and one of only two who hasn't had that song play in one of his <laughs> appearances. That I, I I don't think so anyway. I've only seen that movie once because it's weird, but um, I don't bad. think they use that song. <laughs> I was being generous. <laughs> Giles mentions that he's been reading up on Angelus' past, as one does. Uh, and around Valentine's Day, he's prone to some brutal displays of affection. Just a, t- just a touch. Well, right. I don't know... Giles hesitates to call it affection, and I think I would as well. <laughs> but uh, he doesn't want to talk about the details right now, but it would be best if Buffy stayed inside, stay off the streets. He'll patrol for her. She should well, just... What he specifically stay. says is, this is not. there's no need to go into details. And, and I wrote in my notes, no, Giles, there is a need to go into details, very specifically because you live on a hellmouth. Yeah. yeah. He's like He's basically like called her into the library to say, I don't want to say. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> Yeah. So Bobby, there's something I need to tell you. What is it? Oh, it's too gruesome. Like, <laughs> but uh, in the basement or wherever the f- they are, Crazy Drew is happy with Spike's necklace and all that They're he got. In the warehouse. But Angel one ups one up Spike with a real heart, still warm. I think that he found little... in the best line ever. He <laughs> found in a quaint little shop girl. Which is a human death count one. Pretty and sick. Not right. I think sick. it's cute that they're both trying to impress her by wearing uh, guy liner. <laughs> I kind of thought that too. Their <laughs> eyes look very defined. I kind of thought it was a trick of the lighting. It is a very darkly lit scene. Yeah. So that's what I'm going with. I don't. I don't know how they would put on guy liner without a mirror. Uh, the makeup people do it for them. <laughs> but, uh, they probably use an eyeliner pencil. <laughs> uh, Angel puts the necklace on Drew seductively, as one does. That's our thing this episode, I swear. As one does. <laughs> and uh, starts... yeah, These are all common things. <laughs> that one does. But he's he puts a necklace on her seductively to, to upset Spike, because... I don't know, you can put necklaces on seductively, don't look at me that way. And Angel's thinking, 
on the best way to torture Buffy. One thing that amused me about this scene, um, well, there's a few things. A, that Drusilla just kind of, she, you don't ever see her touch the heart, but she does comment it's still warm, so you know she touched it while it's showing Angel's face. Um, but she doesn't eat it, she just lets it sit there. The other thing that amuses me is, uh, if you go to, like, the Buffy wiki, um, there's, there's a picture of this scene, and for some reason, whoever captioned it just captioned it, Drusilla likes a heart. And it made me laugh when I read it. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> but like, I, I don't know why that's likes is the choice of words they went for. Drusilla admires the a heart. thought put into the gift. <laughs> Drusilla admires a heart. Drusilla, I don't know, Drusilla likes a heart. I think we're all missing the real question, though, which is, what rhymes with lungs? <laughs> yeah, Angel wants something poetic to do away with Buffy, and Spike says, rip out her lungs, that could be poetic. What rhymes with lungs? <laughs> Angel, or rather Drew, backs Angel up saying he always knows how to get to a girl's heart. Which is not what Spike wants to hear, goddammit. No. <laughs> Spike appears to be healing nicely. He's like the scars on his face. I'm sure he'd appreciate you saying that. <laughs> I'll make sure to let him know. But, yeah, at the bronze, four-star Mary's playing, pretending to be Dingo's like my baby. Seth Green doing a pretty decent job at air guitaring. His hair is a different color. What else is new? Yeah, it was black <laughs> in the last episode, and now it's blondish. He's got his cool hair today, reddish. that's why. His cool hair, as Willow calls it. I'd like to think that every time he transforms, his hair changes color when he comes back. <laughs> That's I, a theory. That's a theory that I share as well. But, but yes, wonder... you, you, uh, you you commented on how it was. It seemed like he was really playing, and I I do pay attention to this stuff because I am a musician, specifically a drummer. And a lot of times, particularly the drums in in many TV shows and movies, not just this one, but are very badly synced with the music that is playing, and it's oftentimes the most obvious thing, and they even get that wrong. But the drums were perfectly uh, on on sync here, so. Good, yeah, that's one thing I always notice as well. Drummers always think they, they hit a crash cymbal. And it's like, did you hear a crash cymbal? <laughs> Way to go, sound mixer. Or editor. Really, whoever. A bunch of people not doing their jobs. Editor, probably. <laughs> uh, but Willow thinks she's a groupie because Oz has her cool hair, his cool hair and she's kind of swooning. And it's another adorable line from her. Just like <laughs> my boyfriend's in the band. Like, it's just, aw. So do you think that Oz's werewolf color fur, like his fur color changes based on his hair color? Like if yes, he dyes but only it? on the top of his head. Like the rest of him is still the same, but he's just got like pink hair. Like, <laughs> like right on the top. That would be really cool to see. <laughs> it would be easy to identify who the werewolf is. He'd look like a troll doll. <laughs> only hairier, obviously. But yeah, well, I wrote in my notes, Willow's really excited and cute. It's adorable. Cordy shows up in the dress that she said, uh, more or less, that she'd show up in, more or less. So yeah, yay, she didn't, she wait, didn't lie. <laughs> yay wardrobe for once, because last time she said she was going to show up in something, she didn't. I feel that's just her. Just, like, <laughs> Changing her mind. But her friends shun her, again, because, uh, I don't know, catty high school girls. Later, there's a knock at the door at Buffy's house when Buffy's chilling on the couch with her mom. Which, you know, as one does. And by the way, I'm also not a fan of Joyce, generally, but this is a very good Joyce episode. 
Are you like one sick puppy, like loathing her? Uh, there are very good Joyce episodes. This one of this is one of them, as far as I'm concerned, where they do good things for, with her. That said, I think the show over relies on the. I have to lie to my mother because I'm the Slayer and she can't possibly know and so mom overreacts and grounds you or is just constantly mistrusting you. And yes, I get it. There's a certain amount of realism to that. But when it happens eight times a season for however many seasons it went on for, particularly in the high school years and stuff, it gets really old really fast. And it gets to the point where it's it's sort of like in many comic books with secret identities where it's like, can we please just have the mom or Aunt May or whatever find out so we don't have to keep recycling this over and over and I over. I can get that. I can get and that. And also, cause... she almost married a robot. So, I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> I can get that with, like, every second episode. Joyce is like, no, I'm putting my foot down. And <laughs> Yeah, it's not like, it's not like uh, the actress is doing a bad job. Uh, she's doing exactly what she's asked to do. And when yes. she's given something else to do, like in this episode, it's great. And it's even great the first two or three times we see her being on putting my foot down. It's just <laughs> the 17th time you've seen it, you've seen it 17 times. <laughs> and, yeah, there's a knock at the door. Buffy goes to check and uh, nothing there. Not a good sign, given the circumstances. And she goes Ghosts. back to the coach and there's no Joyce, which is another not so good sign. <laughs> well, in most episodes, it's a very good sign. <laughs> so music's getting creepy, getting tinkly. Every little noise is amplified. You know, every sound outside, everything makes Buffy jump. And boom, runs into her mom. Just like that. Shocker, she's dead. (laughs) No, her mom is checking the back door, which is where the knock came from. Apparently Buffy's ears can't tell directions. (laughs) So they're sitting on the couch. They hear a knock. Buffy says, I'll get it. Her mom sees her get up and go towards the front door. Her mom goes, well, clearly it came from the back door, but I won't tell her that. Instead, goes to the back door herself. (laughs) And she, the one without super senses, was the one who was correct. I feel like if I was a mom, I'd do this too. I'd be like, they're wrong. I'm not going to tell them. I'm just going to scare the shit out of them. Also, who knocks on the back door? That that's that has a double meaning, and not that I meant that, but <laughs> but it was just weird. Like I don't know. Yeah, you, well, especially yeah, yeah, that is weird. This is like, like oh, someone's knocking. Why are they in my backyard? <laughs> but she finds a present, a big present for Buffy. It's a bunch of roses, not a literal a bunch, but a lot nice of black roses. box. Like, the black box with the black ribbon, I mean, it's ominous, but it's a very nice presentation. Jordan would swoon if you got one of these. (laughs) I would. When I saw that, I was like, those are presented really nicely, but it's inconvenient for, like, putting in a vase. Because they're laid down, like, overlapping, kind of like how Subway does their cheese. Uh, (laughs) That's a love analogy. That's being generous, calling it cheese, but okay. (laughs) <laughs> and it's, you know, in a nice, like, felt-lined box, basically. And there's a note there that says, soon. Which, which is on a different movie she was in. Yeah, it's from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Somebody writes that on The Mirror and Blood. A bit more ominous there, but... Same message, really. Yeah, so Buffy's mortified. Joyce looks happy, like, oh, boy, got you flowers! <laughs> and left them at the back door. Again, weird. <laughs> uh... Later, Xander goes to talk to Cordy at the Bronze. This is at the Bronze. Later at Buffy's house. (laughs) At the Bronze, Xander goes to talk to Cordy. 
uh, in his kind of 70s suit. It's, a, it's dapper, though. He looks good in this episode, I gotta say. Like, he's lost a lot of weight since the first season. He's a good-looking dude. Yeah, and Cordy agrees. She says, he looks good. And she's like, but it makes it harder. And Wait, wait, wait. Let's, you skipped why it looks good. Because he let Buffy dress him. Not well, physically, as yeah. he says. But. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, it's going to make things harder. He goes on a speech. You know, I've been thinking a lot about us lately. Sounds like a... Sounds like a, I want to take things to the next level speech, you know, going on and on about how he sees more and maybe it's just hormones, but he feels like it's more than that. And he hopes that she does too. And he just wants to make things special. And he gives her the hard locket and she's for a moment you know, like enamored, like, wow, that's really she's, sweet. She said, wow, it's beautiful. I want to break up. <laughs> Which you can tell from her face as soon as he's going on the speech, that's where she's going. But yeah. He's like not quite the reaction I was looking for, but she just doesn't think they fit as a couple, which kind of you can kind of guess is pressure, the pressure from her friends. I, I think that's definitely what she said and might even be telling herself, but it's not necessarily the truth. Yeah. And um, one thing I really like is Xander's line following that is like, you know, you know, it's not, you know, it's a good day to break up with someone any day but Valentine's Day. <laughs> Which, and did you run low on dramatic irony <laughs> and yeah very true and kind of sad that they're breaking up even though I'm not a fan of them like they're comedy they're a comedic relief couple but it's kind of sad to some degree yeah. honestly like... I gotta say I feel worse for Cordy than for him because he's acting like an entitled jackass for even before the you know the twist you know halfway through the episode he just acts like he deserves this and he should get it and she is a you know and he's a nice person acting badly she's a not nice person trying to change and not knowing how and trying to let him down nicely and yeah. she's made out to be like this horrible villain by him i don't think the episode is doing that but i think he yeah. is I think he in his mind, yeah, he's yeah. kind of like, wow, why would you do this to me right now? And I, I can, don't deserve this. I'm better than the way you're treating me yeah. type thing. He's very from entitled. A, from a high school relationship standpoint, this is so accurate, too. Oh, it's yeah, absolutely. so spot on. It's crazy. But if you were watching the show since the beginning, would you have ever imagined, like, back in season one, that in a situation like this, you'd feel bad for Cordy, less so than for him? (laughs) In season one, I wouldn't have imagined a situation like this. But, yeah, one thing I do want to point out, uh, my roommate actually mentioned it, there's no good day to break up with someone, but a good rule of thumb for all our listeners out there, stay away from gift-giving holidays. Like, happy birthday, let's be friends. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah it's not cool later at school everybody's teasing xander which jordan i feel like you've been dumped a lot is this something that kids do <laughs> uh well it's it's odd you should say that i was actually homeschooled so all of this look into okay the... so did your parents do this to you <laughs> did my parents break up with me a lot no did uh, they, uh, did they tease, tease you for being dumped <laughs> no not particularly when you're homeschooled, do your parents tease you instead of uh, the not, kids at school? I mean, uh, every homeschool situation is different because it <laughs> obviously would be, but not in my experience. That has not That's... been a thing that uh, particularly happens, no. Then how do you grow and learn as a person when you're not bullied? Oh, I don't. I'm incredibly emotionally <laughs> stunted. 
<laughs> no, no. I mean, I, uh, I, I was, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? I was socialized as well as any other kid, you know, lots of co-op stuff and sports and, you know, swimming lessons and all that kind of stuff. I, I dealt with all kinds of, of jerks in many, many areas of life and, uh, lots of opportunities. And I just punched them. That's, how, that's the Jersey way. <laughs> well, I don't actually punch them. I just think about punching them and then run away. That's it works. also the Jersey way. South Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Farm country. Uh, even, you know, it's not cool that everyone's dumping or dumping on him for being dumped. <laughs> everyone's dumping Xander. It's not cool that everyone's kind of, t- like, that didn't happen in my experience. People are usually respectful, even if you're not a cool person. But he runs into Harmony and Cordy's friends, and, of course, they're worse. You know, they're, that's like the nail in the coffin. You know, okay, that's not the right term. But that, you know, that's that makes it so much worse. Because you're seeing all these people making fun of you. You're like, whatever, they don't know me. And then you're, you know, your ex-girlfriend's close friends. Like, that's just bad. I, I think final nail in the coffin actually works. If, you, if you're referring to what he does next. It was the last straw. Yeah, it's the last straw. So he sees Amy, pulls her aside. Uh, good to see you. You're a witch. <laughs> and... I love her reaction. Just don't tell anyone. That's so mean. <laughs> no, I love this whole scene. It's like, hey, you're a witch. It's like, no, I'm not. That, that, that was my mom, remember? He's like, I saw what you did in class working your mojo on you know, the teacher, and now I'm going to go tell everyone. He's like, yeah, that's the, so mean. Why would you do that? And he's like, well, blackmail is a harsh word. I didn't say blackmail. Well, it's what I'm about to do, so I thought just get it out in the open. <laughs> My notes say, Xander, where has this sudden sexy confidence been in, in relation <laughs> to, uh, like, he's acting like a jerk still, and I don't uh, approve of that, but he is suddenly way more confident than he usually is um, when he is taking advantage of Amy here. Revenge. <laughs> it comes from revenge. <laughs> uh, he makes a cast a little tiny love spell. And selfish Xander wants Cordy to love him back desperately so he can dump her and hurt her uh, like <laughs> she did to him. Which, you know, like I said, this is very high school, wanting, like feeling this way, wanting this to transpire. But I love how he's not bitter. He's not malicious about it. He's funny. He's chipper about wanting to do this. You know, well, he's still are, malicious. He's just comical about his maliciousness. Most people are he's being doing the jerk. dumps when they're doing this kind of situation. They're really it's coming from a dark place and he's just not. He's not morally concerned about it. He's just See, I've always been the dumper, so I've never been here. <laughs> uh, now my my question plot wise here is okay, Amy has just had revealed to her that uh, she's going to be blackmailed because he knows she's a witch. But because she's a witch, why doesn't she just cast a spell to make him forget that he knows that? She's limited. <laughs> she only knows so much. Uh, By plot armor. Uh, if, uh, you know, not really plot <laughs> armor, but plot convenience. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> I think, honestly, if I was in that situation, I would completely forget that that was even an option. <laughs> I'd be too, yeah, too scared. I'd be like, whatever you want. No. I probably remember, like, weeks later... Why didn't they just do this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she needs some uh, some things first to cast a spell. So Something Xander stops Cordelia in the hallway, asks for the necklace back. Very petty, but once again, very high school. Uh, she opens, she's like, fine, it's in my locker. And she opens like, it. I can wait. And then secretly takes it off and gives it to him. And it broke my, my little b- heart. 
Yep, it was another awe note on my uh, on my yeah, notes. I wrote I felt that's bad. Sad. That and being said, the outfit she's wearing in that scene is ugly as ugly. hell. Ugly! Oh my god! She looks like a Christian I mean, schoolgirl. Clearly, they're like they were looking through the wardrobe and saying, "What's something that A. Cordelia could wear? B. is going to cover up the fact that she's wearing a necklace." But oh, it was ugly. <laughs> I actually didn't think of the practical reason for that. That's a good point. But yeah, the '90s were terrible for fashion and everything else. But <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it did it did like break my heart a bit when she takes the necklace off. And she's like, no, I don't have to pretend to like it. And don't. I swear, I saw Jonathan in the background here. It's possible. <laughs> I actually did look throughout the episode, but not in this specific scene. I thought about it later. It's always nice to see Jonathan. <laughs> and that night, Amy's performing a spell to Diana, goddess of love. Xander's sitting in the middle of a, a feminine sir, a feminine symbol with a chest paint, topless. Yeah. Now, Diana... I feel bad for Xander in this scene because he's topless. And if Amy's teaching me anything in this scene, it's a little cold. <laughs> yeah, he brought it on himself. <laughs> but, now, problem here. Diana is not the goddess of love in any mythology. So I have a funny funny feeling that the spell might go awry. Just a hunch. <laughs> She's like a what was it, the a goddess of like platonic like friendship or something like that. I don't know. But she's not the goddess of love. She's the goddess of the hunt, but she also has a few other things. And I'm pretty well, sure she loves hunting. Is, like platonic <laughs> love. So next day at school, Xander's wearing all brown. Brown on brown. And he goes to talk to Cordelia, and he's kind of smiling to everybody, you know, acting all overconfident. And she ignores him, and he kind of gets close, like, is this love? Because it looks the same on you. And she pushes him. Spell didn't work. I called it. Are you (laughs) surprised? No. In the library later, Giles is reading about what Angel did to Buffy. Not He's reading to Buffy what Angel did, not, you know, whatever. And he says that Angelus nailed a puppy to skip it. But 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 I don't have a puppy. Skip it. <laughs> Great yeah, line. Yeah. Very morbid. I mean, does Oz count? Yeah, I guess. Oz, he nailed Oz to something. But, yeah, that was a. Uh, sounds like Angel has some interesting ways of showing his love. Creative and and just he's an artist. He was the Banksy of his time. Exactly. <laughs> so Xander walks in, he volunteers as tribute uh, <laughs> to be bait because he's just happily done with life. He's down in the dumps, but he doesn't really appear to be. And keep in mind, when we say volunteer as bait, we don't mean to catch Angel. We mean to be chopped up into little pieces and fed to fish. <laughs> so Buffy offers you know, that she could give him a Valentine's Day for just the two of them. And that's when shit gets a bit weird. <laughs> or as my notes say, sexy Buffy is sexy. <laughs> uh, he says, you know, you know, I could just have you over just as friends. I can comfort you. Just the two of us. And he's like, would lap dancing work into that at all? Because that's very comforting. And she's like, <laughs> if you play your cards right. And I was like, no, that's not the reaction I was expecting. Don't do that. Super flirty. Super yeah, creepy. It doesn't feel right. And he's like, you know, I'm Xander. That's I'm. <laughs> and she's, she realized that she loved him once they broke up because she realized how happy she was to hear the news. And that you can see someone every day but not really see them. 
Exactly. So he's a bit spooked, uh, goes to Amy for help. And she's doing the exact same thing. <laughs> like yeah, down to the, sometimes you can see someone every day without ever actually seeing them line. Yeah. She's stealing Buffy's lines. But she yeah, she's like, Oh, the spell went wrong. He's like, I know. It's like, Well we could fix it. He's like, No, I'm I'm good and he's like, Well we could just hang out anyway. And <laughs> And uh you see while they're talking, he keeps glancing over at Buffy who's just playing with her hair. Like, got it in her mouth, like, super flirty, super just over-the-top ridiculous. Made me laugh. Through uh, the window of the door, like, 30 feet away from it. Yeah. It's a great shot. So, and, if we're sticking at, at this point with these two, Buffy or Amy? Do I have uh, to choose? Yeah, you gotta choose. <laughs> well, are we, talking, <laughs> are we talking practically or superficially? I don't actually care that much <laughs> just answer the question <laughs> buffy would probably break you and amy would probably cast a spell that would backfire and like burn all your hair off so you're saying saying wait till there's some more girls in the picture i'm still saying both but <laughs> i don't think i'd both of them it feels like if you dumped them you're done for yeah so i don't know I you have to be fast. super invested in one of them otherwise it's, it can't just be a fling, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but, no, I love Super Seductive Buffy. It made me laugh so hard. Nicholas Brendan uh, said he was very hard not to laugh throughout this whole episode, which I don't blame him. <laughs> he actually said it was his one of his favorite episodes to film. I think it was uh, one of the producer's favorite episodes as well. Correct, yeah. Uh, it was a all-around favorite episode for lots of people. Obviously, it's on the Xander DVD in the uh, Slayer collection. Because it's a Xander episode. <laughs> And suddenly there's a random girl from a history class that almost looks too old to be in high school. And she's like, hey, you're, you're in blah, blah, blah's class. Do you want to come study with me? So something fishy is going on here since we've never met her before. But we have. She was a vampire and when she was bad. And you're right, she is too old for high school. She was <laughs> the one that they, uh, they like used her as bait while they were busy stringing Giles and Jenny and all them upside down. Okay. Okay, I remember her. Yeah, so uh, everybody's kind of flirty. Xander decides he needs to go lie down. He goes to his room, he shuts the door. Wait, wait, wait. But before this, he starts running out of the school, and then we cut to him <laughs> oh, running yeah. into his own bedroom. Did he run the entire way, including through <laughs> his house, nonstop? <laughs> Sometimes you just Screaming got, the whole time. Adrenaline sometimes. <laughs> did he have to like dodge random women on the street? I bet he did. I bet he. That's why he ran the whole time. He's avoiding cars. <laughs> it's good for cardio, I guess. <laughs> Do this once a day, every day. <laughs> so he lays, goes, sit on his bed, and uh, Willow's laying there in PJs. Just wanted to surprise him. I wouldn't call it PJs. It looks like one of Xander's shirts and nothing else. Yeah, some people wear that as PJs. Xander's shirt? I would. But she just wanted to surprise him. He's like, good job. High marks. <laughs> and she starts getting all flirty and seductive, as as one does. She starts to uh, devour his ear. Yeah, this... Uh, it gets, he's like, well, no, we've known each other like since we were born, since before life itself. And this is weird. But she's but, getting real. She goes farther than anybody. 
I'd go for it. Because she goes super physical, whereas other people just alluded. She's So now now that we got Amy, Buffy, and Willow in the mix. And and a history girl. And yeah, Tamara Braun. <laughs> Are I, we like, saying... I love Willow, but I'm not into the ear stuff. That was weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she uh she Mike Tyson's him. And <laughs> And he says, you know, this has got to stop. Time for me to act like a man and hide. And he runs. <laughs> to which my notes say, no, Xander. <laughs> uh, at school, all of Cordelia's friends are mad at her. Again, of course. This time, because she dumped Xander and wounded him. <laughs> and Cordelia's got the great line, what does it take to make you people happy? <laughs> yeah. And uh, we got this great shot of Xander's boots. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so this is a, a business walk. <laughs> Xander walks into a porn group, got the love. It's a very yeah. Reservoir Dogs, uh, yeah. you know, slow motion set to music walk. Businessy from by average white band, and it's slow mo. I love this shot because every girl is checking him out as he walks in, while every guy glares at him. <laughs> Not every guy. There's a few who are also checking <laughs> yeah, him out, few, which I appreciate. There are a few guys. Yeah, and I'm sure there's probably some girls that, that aren't. You know, you got to take into account. Depends how strong the magic is, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Clearly, it's not a very good spell, so. <laughs> Chronicles of Ridiculous. It was... <laughs> is that the name of the band? No, that's that's my joke. Oh, I was going to say, that seems like ten years too... Or not ten years, but five years too early for that joke to work. <laughs> or not, to, not for the joke to work, but for there to be actual band called that. <laughs> no, the band's average white band. And so Xander goes to the library. Giles, you know, Xander, what is it? Kind of was concerned for a second that he would be all up on Xander. <laughs> I would, there was uh, That would have made the episode even thought. better. I would love that. Oh, my God. There was cautious optimism. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so he's, Xander kind of starting to tell him what happened. Jenny comes in, to, she puts her foot down. She's going to apologize to Giles. But... She starts uh, getting distracted. You know, hey, Xander. And then, oh, nice shirt. And then she's kind of feeling it. And wow, have you been working out? And then she kind of tells Giles, I think I need a moment alone with Xander. I like my Jenny's... notes say, sexy Jenny is sexy and hilariously creepy. <laughs> I like hers because it's more of like a slow burn. Yeah. Like everyone else is like, yeah, I'm in your bed, Xander. Yeah, let's hang out tonight, Xander. She's just like... She's like, oh, I like your shirt, which leads to, like, I need a moment alone. <laughs> you're, you're seeing the moments of realization, you know, take yeah. place in her, which you don't see with anyone else. It's just zero to 60. And it's, it's a great transformation. And I wrote that I love Florida Jenny. Giles is understandably upset, quite upset. And behind him, she's kind of, like, whipping her hair around like a Pantene commercial. <laughs> <laughs> made me laugh. It must have been so ridiculous to do this episode. Like some of these things, like that, they can't be script directions. That's got to be, that's got to be the director. I know. Props to Mr. Contner for you telling him to just ham it up because it made for such a ridiculous episode. And so Giles is upset. They Giles takes Jenny away to sort things out, and Xander to try and protect himself uh, blocks the doors with. This is great. I don't, I don't even know what it is. It looks like book cards. Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like a it's like a rolling cart you put books on, and to reshelf them. And uh, Buffy opens the door from the other side. It swings open. 
Yeah, it's just... No, this... While this is a hilarious joke, you know, block the door and then it opens the other way, it isn't quite accurate because in the past they've blocked those doors against vampires and this and stuff unless they redid the hinges over the summer. <laughs> I mean, the library does get attacked a lot. They might have to redo those, do, do, redo those doors often. It's yeah, I was just going to say, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that those aren't the original doors. <laughs> <laughs> but... Buffy's in a raincoat, kind of looks uh, roby, bathrobe And I would have said it was a bathrobe if he didn't specifically say it was a raincoat. <laughs> and she starts to... Dear God. <laughs> starts to uh, get very into it. Starts stripping a bit. And he kind of backs him into a corner and she's trying to get take off his clothes and he gets real. And he tells her... One of the most honorable things his character's ever said, <laughs> being a teenage boy, that he can't because he knows it's just a spell and she doesn't actually want it and that would be taking advantage of her and that's wrong. <laughs> for as much of a jerk as he is for a good section of this episode, it, it, as you're saying, it is absolutely notable that he does not take advantage of anyone. And he's not intending to, which is a fine line to, to cross with these, uh, you know, with, with a plot like this, with a love spell. But the sheer fact that he was never intending to take advantage of anyone, only to hurt someone, which isn't good, but it's better than taking advantage of them in that way, uh, props to him for not going that place. Exactly. Yeah, and the thing is, like, aside from Buffy, who at first he believes is legitimately into him before he realizes the spell, he doesn't even consider it. Which, being honest, I'd probably at least consider it. Yeah, it's it's not in the <laughs> least bit realistic for a high school. Guy. I don't think I don't think I'd follow through with it because I have a conscience and I know how terrible I would feel about myself. But I would consider it. Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah he doesn't even. He's, yeah, every, basically, every woman in the world's coming after you, and you turn them all down, because you know it's not right. He tells Buffy that, and of course she takes it the wrong way. Are you saying this is all a game? You make me feel this way, and then just reject me? And, uh, like I said, you don't want to dump the Slayer. <laughs> and, of course, the other person you don't want to dump, Amy, comes in, and she's like, Buffy, back off, he's mine. <laughs> so, Buffy, of course, punches Amy out. And I wrote here that it really couldn't get any worse, and I was immediately uh, corrected because Amy retaliates by casting a spell on Buffy. Yeah, we got like a Hulk versus Scarlet Witch like powerhouse showdown going <laughs> on. And so, okay, it could get a bit worse. Poof. Buffy's gone. Human death count two. We come back from commercials, and there's just a raincoat on the ground, and Buffy's dead until a rat crawls out of her sleeve. Yeah, so, and not as not as sexy as sexy Buffy, but still, still a little bit, I guess. More nude, <laughs> and also show it goes to show that she was wearing nothing under that raincoat at all. Well, maybe, maybe it was all bunched in there. We don't know. It's not like the rat would come out wearing. I lingerie. think it was pretty clear from the previous scene <laughs> that it was just a raincoat there. But you know that can't be a school policy for one. Good thing Snyder's not around. That's California. You never know. Where is Snyder? <laughs> Swooning over his end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this episode could have gone so many <laughs> wonderful places. <laughs> but uh, she's a rat, which is a, a stereotypical witch trope, I'd say. No, I'd say turn into a toad. Or a newt. Or a newt. Any or an small animal. But uh, this is why they switched this episode up for Passions. They did that so they could get Sarah Michelle Gellar out for the day. They filmed all her bits in a few hours. And then shipped her off 
to do Saturday Night Live. She was hosting. Um, I'm just surprised that Amy called on the right goddess this time, Hecate. Yeah. I believe you mean Hecate. Yeah. Because it's very fun to say. Hecate. (laughs) But now Jenny comes in with Giles. And now Amy and Jenny are going at it. (laughs) Uh, She's going to cast another spell on Jenny this time. Xander stops it. Thank God. We don't need two rats running around. And also, what if you got them confused? Because how does one define, you know, if a human turns into a rat, how do you know what the rat's going to look like? Is it just any rat? Does it take on your but characteristics? Also, why does it matter which rats which <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe you really wanted someone dead, for example. And you, you they're easier to kill as a rat. I disagree. Especially if you have magic powers. <laughs> so Cordelia's gang still mad at Cordy. Uh, they accost her at her locker. She says, you know, if you need to borrow my doll, just ask and slap. Harmony well, cracks her one. First, she says, like, hey, what, you know, what's the problem now? Are you mad at my locker combination? Like, <laughs> but, uh, they're still it is mad a very stupid Xander. locker combination, to be fair. <laughs> they're still mad about Xander. And meanwhile, they're looking for the Buffy rat still in the library. Uh, Xander and Giles... Oz comes out of nowhere and just lights Xander up. <laughs> just punches. So much punching in the face in this episode. So much <laughs> unnecessary violence. And then they start making out. No, sorry. That's the better version of this episode. <laughs> that's your fan fiction. <laughs> it's Giles, Oz, uh, the principal, whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head. I want to say Sweeney. Snyder. And uh, <laughs> yes. As well as all the women. It just gets crazy. In a four-way spit-swapping makeout match. <laughs> but uh, Oz you know, punches Xander and he's like, that kind of hurt. <laughs> and Xander asks you, what was that for? He's like, I was on the phone with Willow all night crying about you and I don't know what it was about, but I felt like I needed to punch you. <laughs> I was left with a very strong urge to punch you. He was upset, but he doesn't really know why he's upset. He's just upset because Willow's upset. <laughs> And they kind of stare at each other for a bit, and then he feels bad and helps Xander up. <laughs> I love how fast he cools down. He's just, it's like the probably the most, well, maybe with the last episode as an exception, the most like proactive thing, or not even proactive, but impulsive thing we've seen Oz do. And then he's just immediately calm, cool, and collected again, because it's Oz, and nothing faces him. And you could tell he just planned out that punch for hours. Like, it, like that punch wasn't just like a spur of the moment, it's kind of like a... I think I'm going to punch Xander. He's like, God, <laughs> Xander's just got a kind of got me mad right now. I want to go punch him. If I see Xander, I'm going to hit him. <laughs> but uh, Giles is mad, very mad about all this tomfoolery. And he tells Xander to get out of his sight. But it was just a simple love spell, Giles. It's wacky. Just chill out. Nothing went wrong. <laughs> but Xander goes out into the hall. And he sees everybody kind of lynching Cordelia. Yeah, they're like ganging up on her, just beating her. (laughs) Including the lunch lady. (laughs) I love how, like, good the acting is in this episode and how seriously everyone's taking it. I do too. I've made a note of that because it's, like, such a ridiculous premise, but everyone's giving it their all. Nobody's like, this is so stupid, I'm just going to, you know. They're all chewing the scenery, but they're giving it their all. (laughs) 
Especially, I mean, we'll see it in a bit, but Allie Hannigan. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I noted that one as well. She <laughs> knocks it out of the park uh, when we get to that one. Xander saves Cordelia. And in an episode full of mistakes, he lifts her with his back. Hooray. And not his knees. So, bad form, Xander. <laughs> uh, in the library, Amy and Jenny are fighting over Xander, bickering. And Giles says, if you cared about him at all, you'd help me instead of whimpering about feelings. And Amy kind of like realizes, like, you're right. But Jenny books it. She's gone. Yeah, and he's just like, Jenny, like, whatever. Like, God damn it. So outside, Willow finds Xander leaving with Cordy. And she's like, I knew you'd be with her. And this is the scene that we were talking about. She's selling it. She's crying. It's great. It's unnecessary. Why are you wasting your acting talents this way? Yeah, she's crying. She's an axe. It's cold out. You don't know. She has a huge fire axe in pristine condition. I don't know where she got it. I don't even know that I need to know, but it is wonderful. You don't know how hard this is for me. Um, now, this makes a trend. I don't know if it's going to continue, but I just realized every episode with Amy in it has an unnecessary fire axe. <laughs> really? So. So that's what's going on now. Meanwhile, Oz is looking for Buffy the rat, kind of following her around the school as a weird, like, chase the rat side plot. Well, there's also this weird, like, unnecessary drama, like like you're joking about with with Willow, but with a cat in the basement, and, like, the cat's chasing her around, and then the werewolf (laughs) comes down and the cat runs away. But it's just... You've got enough, like, drama with comedy with the Xander stuff. You don't need this stupid cat bit. Yeah, like run, Stuart Little. There's actually is Christoph Beck score playing. It's called uh, I think Buffy the Rat, is what the piece <laughs> is actually called. Something to that effect. Um, yeah, Buffy Rat, and <laughs> yeah, it's uh, interesting that because I, I think of Christoph Beck as such a prestigious guy. And he's not. I mean, if you look at him, he looks kind of caveman-y, and he scores, like, the Muppets, and he's scoring Ant-Man. But in my mind, just because of some of the pieces he does for Buffy, he's, like, legendary status. And so it seems weird getting him to score the scene where Buffy turns into a rat. Yeah. But uh, later, Xander and Cordelia are trying to find a safe spot. Cordelia says, who died and made you Elvis? (laughs) And they run... Elvis? (laughs) Yeah, that's how it works. Elvis dies, and another Elvis is called. Yeah, yeah, you get the you get the Elvis powers. There's one in every generation. As you know. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I didn't think of that. But uh, Xander runs to Buffy's as a safe place. They knock the door. They run inside past Joyce, and she's kind of you know, sit down. Tell me what would happen, Cordelia. Go find some bandages. And <laughs> Xander, do you need any? Do you want anything to drink? We have hot. We have cold. You know, it's seeming more like a hot kind of night and starts, i was like no i thought we were safe starts massaging him at and, first and, jenny seemed fine but i knew as soon as i burst in there this is an ending <laughs> joyce sex joyce, joyce yeah. is hilarious but also what really sells the scene is xander is kind of bent over the kitchen counter he's like sitting down at it and he starts just banging his forehead over and over <laughs> into, the, into the counter as she's hitting on him it's hilarious <laughs> kisses his neck and he's no and cordelia locks her outside keep your mom age mitts off my boyfriend former she says to xander the only way you could get girls to want you is witchcraft and he's like 
okay, that's not fair because okay, good point. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> fuck me so much. Joy's outside, breaks through the pane <laughs> of wit of glass, reaches in. Xander, honey, let Joyce in. <laughs> let Joyce in. It's Joyce. Only Ted gets to call you Joycey. <laughs> yeah. So, and there's poor windows. Like, Joyce is a single mom doing the best she can. Her house gets destroyed on a daily basis. How does she afford all this? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, let Joycey. And I was kind of hoping for a here's Joycey. Here's Well, she Joycey. wasn't the one with the fire axe, so. <laughs> yeah. But the worst possible time, <laughs> Angela shows up and pulls Xander out of the window. I, I say, laugh you, so hard. <laughs> they you go say worst possible you. time. I say this was amazingly well timed. You, you just enough time had passed since you'd caught up with Angel that you'd kind of forgotten about him. You, you're just focused on the women and what they're doing, and Xander trying to get away. And then from, I mean, pr- pretty much literally off screen, his arm reaches in and pulls Xander out of the window. Uh, you know, outside. It is. It's beautiful. It's a great I, twist in the episode. I thought it was hilarious. I laughed really hard. Um, just because he's being you know, chased by hordes and hordes of women, and you're like, could this get any worse? Like, you have to Buffy's room. Ooh, we're safe. Angel pulls him out. <laughs> what a cluster. <laughs> and, yeah, and I agree that, you know, at this point, you're not even thinking of him. You are so, you know, concerned with everything else that's going on. He hasn't even crossed my mind since we last saw him. And we know that he, he it up on Valentine's Day, but I didn't even think that this was, like, going to the exactly. possibility. It's like everything was going wrong, and then they get to the safe point. It's like, well, at least there's nothing left to go wrong. And they're like, oh yeah, Angel. <laughs> Which tells us that apparently Xander is Buffy's puppy. <laughs> and outside, Metaphorically speaking. Right. Outside, uh, who comes to the rescue but Drusilla? <laughs> Call Which me a bit off is- guard. This is interesting because this means apparently demons in the Buffy universe are susceptible to magical mind control. Yeah, And I, I wonder if the show is consistent with that. I can't think of any other instances where it would have come up, but it might be something to keep an eye out for. I kind one of hoped thing, we would get demons teleporting in just in love. <laughs> one thing that I liked about this is like Xander's been, so far, he's, he was with a praying mantis. Well, and also there's a Slayer that was interested in him. To be fair, everything's pining after him. There's probably female blades of grass that are leaning in his direction right now. <laughs> and my favorite of his love interests, who I won't spoil, also fits into that uh, that uh, mold in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's like a a running joke almost. Oh, the mama, mummy girl. Oh, right, yes, yeah. yes. And it's just like every, the only things that can actually love Xander are like supernatural. Even though this one is, of course, spell spell influenced, uh, but Drew is in love with Xander too, and she asks him, she kisses him on the lips, which I don't think she ever did to Spike. Really, they made out, but it was like a, this was like a solid kiss. Well, your teeth kind of bang together when you got those big fangs. You don't have to worry about that with with Xander. So I guess, and she asks him, "How do you feel about eternal life?" Which. You know, he, I think he says, buy, buy me a coffee first. <laughs> and she goes to bite him, but the lady mob, thank God, for once. And it's just mess upon mess. Poor guy. Now, the song that's playing this is called Mob Rush. It's also by Christoph Beck. And uh, Willow's swinging in at the axe. 
Cordelia has to stop her. Like, everything is going wrong. <laughs> and they finally uh, go inside. They slam the door. And Drusilla can't get in. The mob can get in. But Drusilla's... First, she, like, knocks the door off its hinges. Yeah, she blows it in. And like, hey, single mom. But... And the mob all gets in, but poor Drusilla, she just opens... Yeah, she weren't invited. Yeah, <laughs> open the doors for everyone else. Can't get in. So guess you weren't invited is Angelus's great line. So they all have melee weapons. <laughs> like pipes and knives and shit. It's intense. There's one girl who had a fluorescent light bulb. Like one of those <laughs> long tube ones. <laughs> um, and I love how there's what appears to be the cafeteria lady with a yep. rolling pin. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. and one thing that I liked about this, this we saw her earlier in the episode as well. This is the first time, but it's not actually the last time you see this lunge lady. She is a recurring character, so it's it's weird. I didn't think this would be her first appearance, but it's it's funny seeing a bunch of people and then the lunge lady kind of like waddling after them. <laughs> and Xander reveals to Cordelia accidentally. You know, that he didn't put the spell on all them. He meant to put the spell on her, but her hide's too thick. Which... Touched her. Was gonna be a tender moment. Until, uh... Probably Joyce stabs through the door. Well, they're hiding behind the flimsiest uh, door I've ever seen in my life. You know, at the top of the basement. Like, it's pretty much made of cardboard. And yes, then the blade comes right through. Kind of right between their faces. Apparently it's good enough to stop a man who can turn into maggots, but not good enough to stop a mob of actual humans. Yeah, I was going to ask, did you notice any parallel? This is where the relationship started. This spot. Do, in a, a very similar situation. So did you guys notice any parallels there, like, thematically? Not until you pointed it out. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> a lot of Buffy episodes end with them or have them hiding in the basement at some point. Particularly in last season, there's a lot of stuff in the basement. Um, and, and the season before that as well, I think. I might be getting one of them out of order. But there's a lot of stuff that happens in the basement. So the fact that two important scenes with two characters both happen in the season or in, in the basement uh, on another show might be more important. I think here it's just that's a set they use a lot. That's fair. But uh, meanwhile, Giles and Amy are working on the Buffy spell first. Why? Why are they doing this spell first? I don't understand. <laughs> but, Amy uh, is a terrible witch, and apparently Buffalo, bu- or Giles Buffalo. also is. Yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo, no, Buffalo. Terrible We've witch. established that her real full name is Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo Summers. They're working on the spell. Oz is looking for Buffy still, and boom, she changes back. Uh we naked just Buffy see her naked. head at this point, but one can assume she's naked and confused. <laughs> I think, I, I think was... Oz is also quite confused at that moment. <laughs> I think this was, like, their punishment for Sarah leaving. <laughs> like, fine, but you gotta be naked. Yeah. And the mob breaks in, they're all tearing apart Xander, ripping off his body parts. Because the basement door also opens out, not in. So yeah. even though they start barricading it, just like in the in the ca- not the cafeteria, the library. It really bugs me that it swings in, because why didn't they open it in the first place? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think I even saw this on the wiki, but it's not consistent because you see that basement door open in in different directions in different episodes and different seasons. So again, also maybe the, the bug man. Yeah, exactly. But suddenly 
boom, they finish the spell. Right when they're in the middle of tearing tearing them apart, and it's awkward because everybody's confused where they are. <laughs> but girls are like breaking like the windows of the house of the basement, and like stop, single mom. Like it's <laughs> and yeah, everyone's just kind of shell shocked. This happens to people in Sunnydale a lot, especially when bad eggs are involved. But I, I like the the whole mob thing. It's a good twist on the on the zombie tropes without actually going into zombies, even though the show does do that uh, on more than one occasion, I think, um, over the show's run. But, you know, just the arms reaching in through windows, the breaking glass, the unstoppable horde, it's, it's all very well done. Yeah, and Buffy in the basement, I seem to be having a slight case of nudity. <laughs> and, you know, Oz is kind of like, yeah. <laughs> and he goes to get her clothes. Don't go Lisa. anywhere. But you're not a rat, so it's an upside. (laughs) And uh, tells her not to go anywhere, which, like, she would. On the top side, Cordy just, everyone's all confused, and Cordy's gray line, boy, I was the best scavenger hunt ever. (laughs) (laughs) Which works, but one can only assume temporarily, because everyone actually remembers. Yeah. Later at school, after everybody kind of saunters home, Zan just talking to Buffy mentions that Willow won't talk to him still, and how much does he have to grovel before she'll she'll give in? And Buffy makes a good point that she loved you before the great you summoned the great Rufy spirit, <laughs> which is a bad joke, and you shall feel bad. <laughs> and she admits that yeah, she remembers it all. Everybody else probably remembers it all too. But her mom is getting very good at repressing, which worries her. <laughs> <laughs> but she does say that it means a lot that Xander didn't take advantage of her when he could have. Oh, absolutely. Which we discussed. So we agree with you. We're on Team Buffy here. One note I'd missed, uh, if we can jump back to when Giles and Amy were doing their spells in the wrong order. Yep. Um, did you notice, I actually went back to rewatch, um, you know, backed up 30 seconds to check that I'd seen what I thought I saw. You know, that you've got the whole 90s special effects, which aren't terrible for the show. Honestly, the ones we see here, they're not great, but for the era, they're passable. But there's a practical effect in there as well with all the swirling lights and stuff, which is as the kind of like bubble of the spell bursts and, and, you know, lights and all that kind of stuff. Giles tie flies back over his shoulder. It's a great little practical effect, almost Dilbert style. It goes from, you know, like flat down from him to over his shoulder, except nothing else in the room has any type of breeze effect on it whatsoever. It was very weird. Like, it's like, oh, that's a really cool, nice, subtle detail. Except you forgot everything else in the room. Nobody's hair is moving. And Giles doesn't have, like, the shortest hair ever. His hair isn't moving. Amy's hair isn't moving. There's no papers blowing in the room. It was a very strange choice. It sounds like they tied a string to his tie and pulled it when they should have yeah. just put, like, a little blast of air right there. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh Meanwhile, Cordy's gang's all chatting about boys, different boys, not Xander boys. And they bump into Xander. Cordy or Harmony makes fun of him a little bit. They keep walking, and then Cordelia just cuts her off. Harmony, shut up. And I was like, yes. It's it's like, thank you. (laughs) Tells her off, tells her that she's a sheep, and that you you just pretend to do pretend to like what everyone else likes so you can pretend you liked it first she's like i'm cool i do what i want to do i wear what i want to wear i say what i want to say and i'll date who i want to date even if he is a gear no matter how lame he is (laughs) xander actually is a sheep sticker in his room yeah could be foreshadowing (laughs) so that was almost a touching speech 
it was a really like go Cordy moment, but yeah. she ended it with the of course the Cordy mood killer that she always does. She's trying. She's making an effort. She'll get there. <laughs> well, and, and also it feels like this season Cordy's been more leaving her posse and joining the Scoobies. And it feels like this was really her moment of like, no, you guys suck. I actually don't even like you. (laughs) (laughs) But she goes back to Xander and she's just, oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) He's like, it's going to be okay. They're going to hate me. What have I done? (laughs) And they make up on the condition that they pretend to fight or they fight every time they're around her friends, which he guarantees. (laughs) (laughs) Now, a notable thing about the outfits, which I know you guys like to bring up quite a bit on the show, earlier in the episode, like very early in the episode, uh, like the first conversation between Harmony and and, uh, Cordy and the the group, uh, I believe it's Harmony says, what's next? You're going to start wearing matching outfits? And in this final shot of the show, where the two of them are walking together, their outfits do match color scheme-wise. Oh, yeah, I'd say they definitely coordinate, yeah. (laughs) And they were arm in arm, they walk away. I like it. I wouldn't say I ship it quite yet, maybe, but I like it. Yes, you would. But that's the the episode. This was their first step. I mean, we have yet to see, but it feels like it was their first step to actually being a decent relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at this point in the show, I definitely ship it. Um, You know, like when I was first watching through the series, I definitely thought this was a good choice. I think this episode is the one that makes you care about it instead of just laugh at it. Exactly. Right, exactly. So that's the end of the episode. So we got a human death count of one off screen, vamp death count of one on screen. And they say big bad for the first time, so plus a plus two. And probably a lot of trampled people in the mob. We don't know. (laughs) But I think it's time for ratings and what we thought of the episode. And Jordan, you're our esteemed guest. So why don't you tell us, Mr. Jordan from Joy Z. I'm so sorry. What you thought? (laughs) Don't make me break out my Canadian accents, there, kids. Okay, you have to tell me in a Canadian accent (laughs) what you gave this episode out of five stakes and why. Uh, So I really love the everybody goes crazy episodes, particularly in Buffy and Angel, but in a lot of shows, just the episodes where all the cast or a good percentage of the cast is for whatever reason not themselves and be acting in a strange way that does not jive with their characterization elsewhere in the show. And Buffy and Angel do that quite a bit. And they tend to be some of my favorite episodes. Not, you know, like it's not like all of them work perfectly. And it's not like there are no other episodes that are at the top of my list. But I do really like the ones where you could just get to see everybody kind of cut loose and do funny things that don't fit what they would normally do. And this certainly fits that bill. Um, for the season two episode, I'm kind of grading it on the curve of this is a season two episode. I'd say this is a four and a half. Like, it's a lot of fun. Yes, I poke fun at the the logic of of how terrible of a witch Amy is. But I think it works within the scope of the episode. And for what is uh, ostensibly a filler episode that they made just because they had to here, um, that does progress the plot with, with Cordy and Xander. It works really, really well and is it a ton of fun. I... Since you guys started this podcast, and I have been listening to every episode, and I really enjoy it, I've been going back and occasionally re-watching an episode or two of Buffy a night or something like that. And one of the ones, before you guys even asked me to be on this episode, one of the ones that I just picked because, oh, that's a really fun episode, was this one. And so then a week later, you guys sent me the email asking me, hey, do you want to be on this one? It was like, absolutely. It's, it's really one I enjoy. So four and a half and a good choice. Not enough A's, not enough apologies. Uh, 
close. <laughs> but no, um, I, I was not actually going for a Canadian accent. <laughs> no, I figured. Uh, so I also gave this episode four and a half out of five stakes. I agree for a f- episode that was kind of thrown together on the fly. And maybe it was an idea they were tossing around. Like, who knows? Maybe it was something that they had maybe in the works for later. Either way, for an episode that they kind of brought to the forefront last second, slapped together, very well done. One of the funniest episodes of the series. A lot of people's favorites. You know, we had so many people ask to be on this episode. So shout out to Meg Griffin, who asked us to be on this episode. But she was kind of the backup to the backup. Sorry. Just didn't have that Jersey charm, I guess. Sorry. But... uh Definitely a great episode. A lot of fun. It's very Xander-centric, which we haven't seen much of yet. And it makes you care about Cordelia a whole lot. So, recurring characters, Amy, and the like. I give it four to... The lunch lady. And the lunch lady. 4.5 out of 5 for me is my rating. Clairvoyant, how about you? This episode, I don't personally think would work today. Uh, with all the like social justice warriors going around, <laughs> like, I mean, especially in light of you know uh, the Avengers two and some of the feminist backlash over that, which I don't want to get too much into because we have three or four whole years before we touch on that movie, and <laughs> um, so I don't think this episode would work today. But I think you know personally, I don't care <laughs> as, as someone who calls myself a feminist because you know I think this really serves to show how strong the female characters are when we see them not being strong female characters. You know, it's almost like, hey, look how strong, you know, Buffy, Joyce, Drusilla, you know, Cordelia, Jenny, and Willow are most of the time because this is what they could be written like. (laughs) And so I think uh, this episode, while it doesn't seem like it, is almost like a feminist triumph for the rest of the show. Um... And I, it is one of the most, you know, well-rated episodes. And I think it's definitely for a reason. It's not, you know, one of the episodes like, you know, Passion or Innocence or any of those, like, huge, heavy-hitting, you know, emotional two-parters. But episodes like this and, like, Phases are the ones that really make you love the show. You know, the ones that, if you tuned in and this episode was on, you are more than pleased. Especially because it's, you know, it, it's fairly standalone you don't have to really know what you're watching but anyone can just turn this on and they're gonna like you know, this episode it's a it's a great episode it's a lot of fun and so i would give it four stakes out of five jordan from jersey pronounced it right this time <laughs> came on last second so shout out to you why don't you tell us a little bit about your shows on hhwlod not just jersey short tell us about all that you do over there Sure. Well, I've been at HHWLOD.com for a while now, and I'm on a bunch of shows, uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast, WDTV, uh, where we talk about the Walking Dead TV show on AMC, and that uh, that's on a little bit of a hiatus now as we're in between seasons, but we'll, we'll be back very soon to talk about the Walking Dead spinoff with the terrible name, Fear the Walking Dead, and uh, <laughs> I'm also on the Long Box of Doom, which is a comic book podcast, Real Heroes, which is a comic book movies podcast, um, and a bunch of other stuff that shows up from time to time. And of course, like we mentioned at the beginning, Jersey Shore, Jersey question mark, S-U-R-E exclamation point, which is, again, very nerd-centric, but we talk about a wide variety of topics. Pretty much the only things we stay away from are religion and politics, because no one wants to talk about that. And we promise, no crazy accents, no spray tans. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. This was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully get to do it again someday.
Whedonverse podcast rating, 4.25 out of 5 stakes. Join us next episode where we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 17, Passion, with special guest Cordia from Buffy Rewatch and Seriously Swatched, and Episode 18, Killed by Death, with special guest Lingling from YouTube show Once More with Lingling. wait until next week in the meantime check out long box of doom for all your comic reading needs on hhwlod.com all programs productions characters music and stories discussed in this non-profit podcast belong to joss whedon and or their respective networks all music clips and discussion used is either original royalty free or released under creative commons designation cc by ncsa For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Thanks for listening.